Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 99th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these are the Chronicles of Wesley Wang. It is I, the Bearded Brummy, and joining me, as always, as always, is this handsome fella right here. He's Jamie. I'm, I'm sure you probably noticed now after 99 episodes in, but that's Jamie right there. And I'm, it's the Scotsman Tom. And welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. Hit it! There. You're about to enjoy the Chronicles of Tom and Jamie. Hi everyone, I'm Kevin Mann. Hey guys, my name's Annabelle Knight. Hello, this is Becky Baldwin. Hello, I'm Chesney. Hey, what's up everyone? This is Brayden from Say We Can Fly. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Wesley Wang. I'm a writer and director from the US. And thank you so much for listening to the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. Saturday morning cartoons weren't for the kids. I'll put the eggs in here. Say, Mama Bear is making all this porridge. Like, we're not going to realize how good we had it until we're old and inevitably lose contact with each other. And then remembering all of this will be painful. Joining us this week is Wesley Wang. Wesley Wang is an 11-time national and six-time All-American chess player. He's currently a student at Harvard College, but he's not here to talk about any of that. That's just side projects. He is here to talk about the fact that he's a writer, director, and producer of several award-winning short films. And he's only just started because he's done all this by the age of 19. He joins us today to talk all about his latest short, Nothing Except Everything, starring Gotham's David Mazouz and Daredevil's Lily Chi. What an incredible conversation this is. Yeah, I don't think we've ever had someone at Harvard on our yeah. show before. I know, it was quite like, and you know, and like I say, an 11-time, is it national and six-time All-American champion yeah. of chess? Like, <laughs> and at 19 years old, like, it, it, it may just look at your own life and go, oh... <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I can't even play chess, let alone all the other shit. God damn it. But no, it's sick, it's sick to have to have Wesley on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. Big up, massive shout out to Tom Brompton for organizing this one for us. Um, this is a great interview. Uh very great, very, very um in-depth, very in-depth interview. Um, and obviously we discuss all the AI stuff that's going on right now as well. So uh, you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Trust me. Wesley, thank you so much for taking the time out of your insanely busy schedule uh, to sit and chat to us. It is very much appreciated. Jamie! Yes, sir. Do you happen to have any final words at all? Just a massive thank you to our guest this week, Mr. Wesley Wang. Thank you so much for taking time out and talk to us, sir. Just to repeat what Tom said, a massive thank you to Tom Brumpton to help us organise this one. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to enjoy this one. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. We go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, it's Wesley Wang. Hello, friends. Hello, sir. Oh, thanks, Wes. How are you? How are you? <laughs> <It was> amazing. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever come in with such enthusiasm and called us friends from the beginning. It's really, normally it's, hi, yeah, yeah, I'm here for this interview, yeah. Nah, <laughs> so, nah, let's get into it. It's good to meet you guys. What's up? <laughs> no, it's, it's great to meet you too, man. Ladies and gentlemen, today we bring you another incredibly talented guest. This week's guest is a writer, director, producer of several award-winning short films, 
and he's only just started. He's only bloody 19 years old. Here to talk all about his latest short, Nothing Except Everything, starring Gotham's David Mazouz and Daredevil's Lily Chi, and so much more. Boys and girls, put your hands together as we bring you the Chronicles of Wesley Wang. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you so much for interviewing me. I'm super excited. We're very, very excited. And uh, I think we should get into the really hard-hitting stuff straight away. Um, how have the last few years been with the pandemic? Obviously, um, for such a young age as well, with being at school and stuff. Like, how was those last few years for you? Yeah, it was super difficult. The good thing was that the pandemic kind of slowed down school. And so I was able to pursue a lot of the things like filmmaking outside of it. Um, although it was very hard, obviously, getting on set, making sure protocol, we had a code compliance officer on set and all this these rules but um and one of our actors for a film that i made in 2021 called eve she got covid like right before the day of the shoot and this was like very very common and so it was yeah and then we had to postpone like a few weeks and so yeah stuff was really hard during covid but i think ironically it slowed down the whole industry and i was able to get kind of further along because i found unique ways to to bypass it that's awesome it's almost like the gods were looking down and you're going Wesley needs to make some movies. We better give a global pandemic so that he's able to get out of school and so he can start making his shorts. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I'd say so. Yeah, everything has its reason. It's just the fact you know you studied, learned how to do this film, prepared. You're like, ah, your first ever thing you're working on on your own. Let's throw a pandemic in your way as well. Let's give you some <laughs> more things to work through. Why not? Yeah. But fair play, you did it. Absolutely incredible. So take us back to the start for you. Obviously. I'm going to say young masturbate, you're still young now, but what did you wish to be when you grew up from an early age? Has it always been in the world of film or were there other aspirations at a young age? I would say at the start, it was, um, I would play chess very competitively for a long time. So I actually thought I was going to be a professional chess player for a long time. I was going homeschooled for it. I went traveled the world to play in international competitions, represent the US a bunch of times. And so I was an 11 time national champion, six time All-American. So that was like my life for a long time. But um, in like ninth grade, eighth grade around, I somehow just found movies and I stopped loving chess. I, I, I hated the competitiveness of the of just the grind and just, you know, you know, it's just it's a very by yourself kind of game, you know, where you have to it's a lot of solitude and figuring things out by yourself. So filmmaking was this outlet to kind of actually talk to people, socialize and kind of do things in a strategic way still, but more creatively and explore that, which I thought I always had in myself. And so that was what I decided to do next. We have never had a chess champion on this show ever. And that's absolutely incredible. I mean, those sort that's that sort of I mean, do you call it you don't really call it a sport, do you? It's whatever whatever it comes down as. Like you have to don't you have to be like 17 moves ahead of your opponent at all times? Yeah, about there, 17, 18. <laughs> <laughs> it's around around it roughly but i mean right. it's always where it's like if he moves this and this i can move that and that so hmm, let me see but if i move this he might move this and i, I just it's always i i just go i'll just move the horse to that over there let's move the <laughs> castle <laughs> yeah that's me i i have literally no idea how to play chess give me give me drafts or checkers i'm well away but chess no <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could probably take me down with that just <laughs> Yes, imagine that. 11-time national champion. Like, fair play, dude. That's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> Blow my mind. I love the fact we're here to talk to you all about your movies. We're like, forget the movies. Chess, 11 <laughs> times. That's crazy. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in for it. 
What we can't see is all the trophies around the room and everything like that. Or <laughs> this, because I wanted to market myself as a filmmaker, obviously. <laughs> oh, but where did that love of film come from then? It must it must have been a strong love for you to just give up all those chess aspirations. What was it that drew you in? Was it performance, the story, the spectacle of it all, whatever it may be? Yeah, it was watching movies at first and how people conveyed stories through the art of of uh, images and moving images. So I always thought that was really interesting and, and combined so many art forms. So I always thought it was the most powerful art, the one that makes people laugh the most, cry the most, feel the most emotions. So I always just want to make people feel the way I felt after watching the movie, I guess. So like movies like Whiplash, um, Inception, The Godfather, those were some of the classics that I started with. And I always wanted to make stuff like that when, yeah, when I was like 12, 11 around, started. I was going to say, what's the go-to genre? Because obviously, um, it's still quite a young age, obviously. There's so much that came before. Because, I mean, we're in our 30s, and we're like, oh, the 80s and the 90s was obviously, like, crucial times for movies. Like, we love us. You know, you've got, like, Good Morning Vietnam and Dead Poe. I just go, Robin Williams is literally my my go-to straight away. Um, but, like, what were the – are those the movies for you that inspired you? Or what, what, what did you see that made you go, oh, my God, this is what I want to do? Yeah, it's probably um, Christopher Nolan was one of the big ones. I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, I think obviously I'm I'm young. So like I watched a lot of modern <laughs> movies, 2000s, 2010s, but obviously Stanley Kubrick back in the past, uh, PTA, like all these guys, legends. And, you know, I was, I kind of diversified. So I take all from genres, all genres I take from a little bit. So yeah. Was it? Was it a particular film you watched? It was like, I need to do this. This is what I need to do when I'm older. Or was it just that? combination of seeing so many different things yeah it was a combination but if i'd say some that stood out like whiplash i think was super super just in your face literally just went straight to the point it was no bullshit it was completely just so well made david chazelle is one of my favorites he also went to harvard and he's been an idol for me for so long so yeah how come you didn't want to get in front of the camera um i i was never good looking at it. no i'm joking i don't know i don't know <laughs> It was never a thing that I was, I was always stage shy and stuff. So I don't know. You should do a, you should do a Stan Lee and just appear in like a very, very small like parts. I do actually in the film that I, I think you're interviewing me about. <laughs> uh, I'm at the end. I'm at the end where I'm the roommate of the, the main character. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I just clicked. <laughs> so sorry, Wes. So, no, no, no! I don't expect you guys to realize. That's amazing. Obviously, your earliest credit on the internet, you know, the Fountain of All Knowledge, is is twenty twenty. But I know what creative people are like. I've no doubt there was stuff way before then. So, what was the first thing you ever made, or at least wrote, or anything like that? Yeah, the first ever thing, twenty seventeen. I was twelve years old, and it was this movie called The String. Ranger, and it was named after the Billy Joel album, and it was a uh, it was a detective and serial killer cat and mouse kind of game. My dad starred in it. My brother's friends starred in it. So it was super like scrappy with like this shitty camera. It was just, and uh, I look back on it, I'm like, wow, like this is. But you need to do this stuff, you know, to get to where you are. So um, it was a great learning experience. It was so much fun to shoot. Are you, are you gonna release it? Is it anywhere for anyone to watch? No, never. I'm burning that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a reputation to uphold, and I've never seen the light of day. <laughs> yeah. So, 
obviously you just mentioned a minute ago how you are currently studying at Harvard College, which is absolutely incredible. What is, what is it you're studying? I'm assuming it's film. But Yeah, well, the film program at Harvard is weird. I, I took a class or so and I didn't really like it. Um, so I'm actually doing economics, but economics is, is things about makes you think about how the world, the world works and, and it's a lot about business too. So I think it's very helpful to what I want to do as well. Um, so that's why I'm studying economics at Harvard. Yeah. How is, how is Harvard? How did, did, was that, was that an aspiration? It's like, that's the university I want to go to. Um, low key, you know, when I was just a kid, I was, I mean, like when 11th grade hit, I was like, oh no, college is coming next year. Um, what are some of the best colleges? I felt like I had a good resume and I just literally threw a dart and I was like, Harvard's, Harvard's it, I guess. And, uh, yeah, so nothing specific about it besides the fact that it's just one of the best schools, um, in the U S at least. So, yeah. That's incredible. How is it all going well though? All good? All good there? Yeah. I love it. I love the people there are very supportive. Everyone has great ideas. Everyone's thinking, everyone's kind of like this intellectual and it's, it's really fun. Are you still studying film at all in any form of way, or is it literally just learning, studying by learning there? Um, it was studying by learning, yeah. I was doing a lot of film outside of Harvard and in Harvard a little bit, like screening it there and everything. Um, so I think the best way is always learning by doing. Um, I learned a lot of stuff when I was a kid, like of just like watching YouTube videos, that kind of stuff is always like, you know, it's just as good as someone teaching you, I think, um, especially in filmmaking. So it's, you got to do it yourself a lot. So that's what I was doing, basically. Does the fact that you're at Harvard, uh, I, I don't want to sound like a prick here. Does the fact that you're at Harvard help with your movie career? Like, it's like, do, are you getting noticed more due to the fact that you're, that you're at Harvard College? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the main reasons a lot of people go to Harvard, regardless of what industry it is. If you're in Harvard, there's something about you that probably sets you apart. Um, so um, it's not a it's not a prick uh, question at all. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's helped me in, in very, very clear ways as well. Like the guy, um, there's this guy named Cooper Samuelson, and we just talked about Damien Chazelle. Cooper Samuelson is basically like the feature film president of Blumhouse. And Blumhouse is obviously one of the biggest production companies in the world. And they uh, they basically made Whiplash into a short first for Dam with Damien. And he was like, you got to make this into a short before this becomes a, a feature. And then it won Sundance, and then they were able to fund it as a feature. And so the same guy, Cooper Samuelson, he's an alumni from Harvard. Um, so I got in touch with him through the alumni network and now he's endorsing my next short. So it, it did help in a lot of very obvious materialistic ways. Yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. So thank you. So we were just saying then you're practicing like learning by doing. Have you not studied film at all then, even before you went to Harvard? Was it literally everything you've no, learned through I, like, YouTube? I, is that? No, I, I studied. I also yeah, I went to camps. I went to New York Film Academy. I went to USC Screenwriting Academy. So I definitely did learn. I don't want to act like I didn't. I, like all that was very, very helpful. It was just most of it, like that. The, the stuff they tell you to do is like make your own film. And, you know, so the guidance isn't really like, this is how you do it. Because at the end of the day, filmmaking is up to you to learn how to express your vision, how you go about assembling a team and all that stuff is things that you learn yourself. It's not much like math or like science where it's like cold, hard facts. What's going to get you there, mm. you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Obviously, all your projects, they have quite a serious and sometimes a dark tone to them. I was watching them earlier today. Where did you get the ideas from your stories? Um, sometimes personal experiences, sometimes things I see, you know, in news or um, like mute, for example, was something I just literally took off Reddit. It was like produce my script was the was the subreddit. And 
um, and people just submit their scripts on there. And basically none of them get produced, but for some reason I was just on there just for looking for inspiration. And I saw the script, the log line was, in a world where words cost money, a woman saves up for her first word in the hope of standing up to her abuser. And I thought that was so genius. And I was like, I'm going to buy the script. So then I optioned it and then I made it into a film uh, and credited the writer. So sometimes it comes through the internet and um, just everyday life experiences is different every time. Yeah. Could you imagine if that was actually a genuine thing? Like if actually we did actually have to pay for the words that we speak, we'd be fucked on the show. <laughs> so broke. <laughs> Exactly. But it's like, the idea of power, right? Like you guys would have so much power then because you guys are the only ones that would be talking and then you'd be explaining your ideas and then it would just be a kind of a, a positive feedback loop where you guys just keep getting power because you guys are able to kind of rally the crowds and be like, this is what facts are, the truth is. And and then so you get more money through that and then you're able to buy more words. It just becomes, and I think that's what's happening a lot in, in modern day society. So I think that's the whole kind of allegory of silencing people and and how it just creates a deadly positive feedback loop. There's suddenly, a, se- there's suddenly a sequel to Mute that involves two podcasters. We want credit, all right? Because... <laughs> <laughs> As 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 we mentioned, your first credit on the internet is uh is from twenty twenty's faces. Is that correct? Is that a student film? Yeah, I think the first credit that I have on the internet is probably that. Yeah. So there's a few other shorts as well on your YouTube, like Box Goodbye, The Vars, The Dome, and there's a few others. Are they also student projects that you worked on? Yeah, I directed all of them basically that I have on my YouTube channel. Yeah. What's the difference between like the student films you made and then when you've gone out on your own to do them? Is is there more freedom in there? Have they given you some sort of guideline that they want you to follow, or is it yeah? Just go do your thing. <laughs> so student student films are usually like they have guidelines. So the box was to create a film without any dialogue. So I think if you watched it, you would know that there's no dialogue. It's just this box that follows a guy, and it's this weird comedy. And and so um, whereas that you first have to make films with limitations but i think it's very helpful at the start because it makes you think about you know a specific thing and and really master that specific technical thing and then you can start going out into doing your own things so like faces for example was actually not a student film i just made it outside the curriculum it was something i i thought was a good story and so when you work with limitations it makes your um your uh, your visions i think more technically uh sound at the end yeah that's another so before we start talking about your current project, let, let's talk about your other movies, even Mute. So how long after making Faces did you decide, yeah, it's time to, let's, let's make my own thing now. Let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. So it was during COVID, actually. Uh, Faces, I mean, uh, Eve was during, was during uh, COVID. It was like March, it was like it just started. And I was like, I want to make something because I'm like stuck at home and whatever. Um, so I made a movie about a homeless mother and a son who try to find a job on the streets of, of New York. And so it was, it was an extremely tough shoot. It was four days. Um, it was like the script supervisor got into a car crash on the way to the shoot. Like, again, the lead actress got COVID one day. Um, and it was just like, why am I doing this? But it was a really good learning experience because I was spending my own money. I was self-funding it. And it was just like, you put everything you can into it. And, but it gave me a lot of credibility afterwards. So it's just, it, it, that was the toughest shoot I've ever had in my entire life because it was completely, you know, like my high school friends were helping me out. So they were filling some of the roles and it was, it was just a really 
um, scrappy and tough experience, but um, I learned a lot about how to shoot independent films, basically. Was everyone all right after the crash? Yeah, every, everyone was all right. Okay. But, yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That is crazy, man. How do you how do you cast your movies and how do you decide who you're gonna have in it? Um, so those movies I went through backstage. Uh it's a great network. Basically, you just post the listing and then a lot of actors will just submit their resumes, their reels, and whatever, and then you choose through them, you audition people. Um, yeah, and then other films, uh, like my last one, I started outreaching to agents because if you want David Mazouz, like they usually never apply for backstage. There are people that you reach out to, right? Because they've already accomplished a lot. So those I reached out to the agents, gave them a whole pitch about why this project can succeed and what their character is. And then, um, and yeah, and then they either audition or it's just a straight offer when they just come on board. But the, the people that you cast in Eve, especially the young boy, the name has not come to me right now, but wow, that kid can act. Like, <laughs> I felt so emotional watching that film. You can, it's a hard watch in the best way. Because you just feel so much pain from those characters, especially that young boy. Like, my God, I couldn't believe it when I was watching it earlier. Thank you. It means it's a lot. A, yeah. It is incredible. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. Where did you get that idea from for that movie? Um, It was just, it's it's a city that's like right next, it's a town right next to my town. And um, Long Island, I live in Long Island, New York. It's just a very segregated place. So literally one town over, people are living like that. So I saw that, I saw news about it. And so I just decided to make a film about what would, what it what it would mean for two characters that go out doing something that they really really want to do to to make it out, to succeed, to get a better life for themselves, but eventually fail, but come to kind of a greater understanding about each other. And by failing, they actually succeed in the end, ironically. So um, that was the central idea. It was kind of like Little Miss Sunshine. I thought that was one of the biggest inspirations. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's like spoiler: they fail at the end of the movie, but they get what they actually needed um, rather than yeah. what they wanted. And that was a great look. Absolutely delicious. I really wanted it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it was fake, actually. It's fake ice cream. God damn it, look, it looked really nice as well. <laughs> but what sort of things did you learn from making Eve that you then like took with you into the making of Mute? Um, how to, everything, how to assemble a crew, how to make sure, you know, people are good before they come onto your crew, uh, how to audition people, like just everything, how to fund your own movie, how to, you know, everything, everything. What's amazing though, is you said, you know, that was like the hardest shoot you've ever done. And it was your first shoot and you said, hey, how much you learn for it? And then you went, right, let's do it again. Whereas a lot of people would have been like, nah, forget that. <laughs> That's well, yeah, night, night. I always say ignorance is the best. Uh, is the reason I have come so far. Like literally, I've just been like, oh, I, I'm gonna make a film that's this good, and I always think I'm gonna make a film that's this good, but I end up here. But then I'm like, okay, I end up here, and then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make a film that's this good this time. But then I end up here, where I actually ended up where I was aiming with the last film. So then I just keep climbing this ladder where I think I'm gonna go farther than I actually go. But then it doesn't matter because if you go that, at least you're progressing. So I think what a lot st stops a lot of people is that they overthink and they're like, oh, I'm going to fail. I'm not going to make it. Um, they said this, this, this. They're too realistic about their expectations. And that's what actually causes them to fail. Um, so I think 
as long as you're confident in yourself and you just believe in yourself, I think you're going to go really, really far because filmmaking above a, a lot of things, just like entrepreneurship, a lot of things that are just extremely hard you have to do on your own. It's you just have to believe in yourself and go all in. You can't half-ass it. You know, you can't do it as a part-time thing. Um, it's just, you have to go all out and those are the people that end up succeeding, you know? It's amazing. I, yeah, fair play. Because like, like I said, a lot of people would have got, nah, mate, but the fact, the fact you stuck with it is it's incredible, quite frankly. But how, how was Eve received? Because obviously this was your first thing you've done on your own. How, how was it received? Yeah, it, it world premiered at the uh, Oscar qualifying LA Shorts International Film Festival. So that was a big one. Um, and and yeah, it just went on its own festival circuit, screened at New York Shorts, which is one of the biggest festivals, uh, short film festivals on the East Coast. Um, the United States. So it was, it was, a, it was a pretty good success. It allowed me to make mute and then nothing except everything. So every film kind of was like its own reel and like, like kind of like I could show people, look what I've done. And then people would be like, Oh, mm -hmm. I want to, you know, work on your next project. So it always, you get better and better with each project, you know? How many awards did you win? Cause I know you won a fair few awards as well, didn't it? Sorry? Didn't Eve win a fair few awards as well at the festivals? Yeah, it won a, it won a few, uh, it won, um, I don't have the exact names, but it did win some awards. Yeah, but they weren't. None of them were huge. They were they were pretty solid though. And I imagine like the boost you got from all the praise coming out of Eve must have been like give you such an I don't want to say ego boost, but you know like a good push going into mute. You're like, yeah, I can do this. Like I I know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what it felt like. Yeah. So. Talking about uh, talking about mute and sorry, I'll see. You mentioned earlier when you got the inspiration from, but for those unaware, what what exactly is mute about? Mute is essentially about um, a world. It's a sci-fi dystopian kind of fantasy world um, that it's about a world a world where in which words, in order to speak, you have to pay money. You have to go to this ATM machine. You have to like put in your funds, and then you're like, okay, I could choose a word to to say. And then, you know, and then you can go back and say that word. And so a woman who is being sexually abused, she basically tries to save up for a word um, at the end to to say, um, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's harrowing. It's a, in the best way. Again, it's a hard watch. And again, I'm going to say it, that the actress you got to play that main character, wow. The, you could just, the emotions, the, the, the way she portrayed it is phenomenal. And I'm, I'm obviously not going to spoil the ending, but when she's there and they've said, like, what word do you want? I was like, oh, I better know. I better know. I better know. And I got it right. And I was well happy with myself. <laughs> yeah, it was too predictable. That was the only thing. <laughs> nah, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. But watching it, you can see your growth in you as a filmmaker. Like, just just the small nuances, the way things do, the colour grain, you can see all that growth in you as a it's it's absolutely amazing to see. Could you see it yourself, how much you'd grown when you watched it back? Yeah, definitely. It was a lot more controlled. It was a lot more concise than than Eve. Um, Eve was obviously like 22 minutes, so I wanted to make something, an exercise that was much shorter, much more precise, and just tell a story straight and through, no bullshit, kind of just give it to them. And um, yeah, that's I thought I accomplished that to a certain degree, at least. Absolutely. And again, this one did absolutely incredible awards and stuff as well at the film, the um, film festivals. Yeah, 
yeah, one of the most notable ones is Flickers, which is Oscar qualifying, and it's it's a pretty big festival that runs in uh, September every year in the U.S. It seems to be. That's right. It's quite weird to like have to write write a script in the space of seven minutes or eight minutes, or do you write a script that's like however long and then smash it down into that sort of time scale? Yeah, usually you write something down that just like is longer, that it has all your ideas, and then you're like, okay, which ideas are the best and which are the most concise, and then you put it like smaller, you know. So do you film every single bit of it and then go, right, what can we use not what do we not need to use, that sort of thing? Or do you only film the bits that you need? Yeah, that would waste a lot of time and money. So you actually just do it in the script writing process. Usually oh, if you cut okay. down what you can. Because if you envision it well enough, then you know this isn't going to work, you know. So then you just cut it down to what's the essentials, and then just shoot that. Okay, I, I imagine if I wrote something, I'd be like, "Yes, this looks wonderful. Yes, we we'll do all this. Let's shoot this, 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 and go. Cool. I don't need any of that now. Fuck." Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people think the film is made in production, but I think the film is always made before that in pre-production and development. When you're writing the script, when you're hiring your people, because basically what you're doing is you're telling people this is what you're going to do when you show up on set at 8 15 this is what you're going to do at 9 p.m this is what you're going to do and then you give them the whole rundown of what they're going to do and they just do it so literally production is just doing what you've been told basically um, a lot of it so there's very uncertainty about how a film will turn out as long as you have it completely in your brain um beforehand and then you just tell your crew and cast to do this um so yeah yeah it's a really interesting way of looking at it because again i, I mean I, I we're not from the world of film so i you know but i always thought that it would be done afterwards when the editing starts and it's like wow we have all this footage now let's like condense it down into what we want to make into a film and have you ever had moments in your movies where you've gone ah wonderful and then watching on actually can we swap this this and this bit over to make it make more sense this way or yeah absolutely that's that's the sign of a good uh director usually they they don't take their ego into account they don't admit they screwed up or whatever i mean they admit when they screwed up and then they just they will say, okay, I screwed up here, actually. Maybe this scene should not go here. Maybe this take should be different, you know, all this stuff. So, yeah. I imagine being the writer and the director helps with that as well, because you know the vision that was there in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I actually find it hard. I don't know how people direct scripts that are not their own, because it's like they have to pick the writer's brain out completely, and then they know what they're thinking and then put their own spin on it. But I guess it's just a different art form. Or is it the way of like, I'm a writer going, like, wonderful. Now I want to see how somebody interprets this. Have this direct. Like, I'm going to sit back and just let you, you know, and to take up, run with it and see what happens. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I suppose it, I suppose it all depends on how much of a control person you are. Because I don't know. I know what I'm like. If I gave it to someone else and they didn't do it how I wanted it, I'll be like, you ruined my vision. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I have to direct my own scripts. You know, I cannot do it to someone. Do you edit them as well? Uh, some of them. Like Eve was the last one I edited. Uh, actually, no, Eve. I didn't even edit Eve myself. Yeah, Faces was the last one I edited. And then Eve, I started giving to other people who did it better than me, basically. That's good. That's what you want. Yeah. Just, just going back to the film festival thing again. Because we've spoken to quite a few people who work in independent film on here. How important are these film festivals to independent movie makers? Because it seems like it's, the, it's how you get what you need to do in life. In, in a lot of ways, it is. Um, sometimes, I mean, it's one way. 
to it's to get your films out there, right? There's the streaming way, there's the online way, and then there's usually the festival way, which distributors will buy your film out for an X amount of dollars to go into theaters or to go into streaming, right? Whatever it is. And so that's how, yeah, festivals are a great way for basically buyers to come in and be like, this is, you know, because this is such a pristine festival. When when Netflix come to, comes to Sundance, they'll be like, oh, I'm expecting a great number of films that are really, really good. Um, so that's why it's so important because all the biggest distributors are at these festivals, basically. So, go on, James. I was going to say, does the fact that it's a short movie hinder the chances of being picked up? Because obviously normally on these streaming platforms and cinemas and stuff, you see picture-length, full-length movies. Does that hinder yeah. anything at all? Yeah, so short films you usually make at the start of your career because it's a vehicle to make longer films. Um, but sometimes it's this art form itself as well. And short films have, I think, are increasingly having a place in, in a lot of people because shorter attention spans, whatever it is, um, people are it's people are also starting to see a market for short films. So I think it's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think there's people now that are like, that was great. What's next? That was great. What's next? That's great. You know what I mean? That seems to be the generation now. Like, I, I, even I struggle with it. Like, I watch full feature lengths and I had to pause it like 15 times because I want to go make a cup of tea or I want to look out the window for two minutes. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I can't, I just can't, unless I'm absolutely gripped and I'm I'm involved, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll watch the next half an hour in a bit. Exactly. I agree. So a lot of great short films just basically say what they want to say and then get, get out, you know, because everyone... <laughs> Like they, it's just the bite for them, you know, and it's just the story just told very concisely. I think that's beautiful. It's great. I never, I never looked at it like that before. That's really good. That's actually really yeah. good. I like that. So, obviously, let's let's talk about nothing except everything because that's what we're here to talk about. For those unaware, what's it about? Jeez, it's what is it about, or what's it about? Right. Um, I'd say what it's about <laughs> is just. Um, a graduating high schooler tries to find meaning in the number seven in a world of chaos, basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's interpreted, it's up to you to interpret like how you actually think about it, what that means. I read that tagline and I was like, in the world, in the number seven, like what? And then I watched it and I was like, I get it now. I get it. It's, it's sort of like you have to watch it to understand that tagline. <laughs> Yeah, the tagline is just the kind of curiosity, you know, so people watch it, basically, yeah. Does it matter what number you choose? Or is that, again, down to us? No, it doesn't matter. I mean, if uh, unless you're like, oh, you didn't get my number right, I'm turning off this movie, you know? Like, <laughs> you failed. But I don't think I chose, like... Well, I chose nine. I don't know why. I just I just chose nine. But my interpretation of the film is always... Bad viewer. <laughs> well, I, I, sorry, sorry. Um, the the interpretation I took from it, without trying to spoil anything, was that um, life's too short, and it's. I was in my head. I was going. I just want to go and do all the things I want to go and do right now. I'm not going to. Oh, but I want to go to. I don't know Australia. I'll have to save for 15 years until I'm able. It's like no, just pay for it and just fuck off and go. Do you know what I mean? That's that's in my head. That's the way I interpret that movie. It's like just live for the moment. Just just do everything. That's a great interpretation. I think if you took that away, I'm happy. You know, <laughs> you're a good viewer now. You're forgiven. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. The nine is fine. We can forgive the nine. <laughs> where did the idea for this movie come from? Because obviously, like you said, it's very open-ended. You take your own interpretation away from it. Was that your intention or was that just sort of how it came out? Um, yeah, I think it was. It was always this idea of this chaos and trying to find meaning in it. And uh, I think every day more so we live in a world where it's just very, very, we don't know what's going on. There's so many things going on and we're trying to find meaning in it. So I think that was what I was feeling at the time. I think my generation, especially just young people, like, especially when you're going off to college and leaving everything you've ever known behind, it's kind of, it's just a very uncertain kind of what your future holds. Um, so that's where the inspiration came from, basically. I don't you touched on something then that I think is really important. You know, it's actually nice seeing the film about high school and that age from someone who actually is that age, instead of like people that have left high school about 30 years ago, making their guess of what it's like to be a high schooler now. <laughs> yeah. Was that important to you to give that generation a voice? Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest things. I was uh, just watching a lot of high school movies now. I mean, it's it might be funny to like older people, but like to younger people, it's just cringy. And it's just like, this is not how it feels. Even if the story is correct, like the the the, the style in which it's portrayed is not very young, I think. Um, so I think, yeah, I th obviously there's not much young content out there because a lot of people that are young, don't get to make films because they're not experienced enough and stuff like that. But I felt like at the point, I was at the point where I could kind of do justice to the, this generation. So that's what I was trying to do. And, and you absolutely do that. There's two scenes that really stuck out to me that do that. One was the awkward kiss in the car. Like that was just, might not have been in a car, but we've all had those awkward moments. Like we've all been there when we're that age. Like yeah. I was just like, that is a man that has experienced that in the recent history. Like that <laughs> perfect. And and also the scene that's like, Will you remember me? Again, I'm trying not to go too much into it, I don't want to spoil it, people. But that will you remember me scene, again, it's something we've all been there. Like at one point in our life, we we're like, this is gonna be my forever. And then it's like, no, it's probably not. Like <laughs> and it's it's such a beautiful way of looking at it. I was like, I was watching it, I was just like, this is absolutely incredible. Like he's really put a voice on this emotions that people at this age do think and feel but probably don't express exactly it was this kind of subconscious kind of thing i wanted to explore i think a lot of people don't talk about the things that i was trying to talk about in this movie and that was one of the biggest uh goals of mine was it uh a bit of a, a bit of a, oh my god i can't believe it kind of moment when uh david mazuz and lily chi agreed to be in the film yeah. Oh my God. Uh, especially David at first. I mean, when he read the script, he was like, look, I really, really love this. Obviously I get a lot of offers every day, but like, this is like how I'm feeling. Like, this is like, I resonate with this a lot. So it just shows the power of a good story. And when you really tell something authentic, um, people will um, relate to it. And yeah, he did. So, and, and then Lily came on as well very quickly after that for similar reasons. She was like, yeah, this is like what I'm going through right now. So, yeah. Dave was such a good actor as well. I, I loved him in Gotham. I never thought he got his flowers for his performance in Gotham. So, like, to see him again in this a few years later, I was like, God, he's still so damn good. Like, oh, he's so good. And I, I'm just wishing people now uh, see see more of him now when he's, you know, what he can do at this age as well, because he's still an incredible actor, obviously. Like, I did one of those stupid moments where I'd, I'd read you know, about the movie and watched it. And I still went, why do I know this actor? Why do I know him? It's driving me mental. Why do I know this actor? 
went back to the details I had and went, of course it's from Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. Man. Do you feel that having them two involved gives that movie that a little bit more oomph because it's yeah, like well-known faces? Yeah, absolutely. That was um, definitely a big, big plus. Um, yeah, a lot of people signed on because of them and it was seen a lot because of them. They were able to show it to their audience because of that. So, yeah. Do you reckon you could make it a full feature length? That's the goal now. We're trying to pitch it to investors oh. and readers and actors and stuff. So, yeah, hopefully uh, that get made soon. Oh, that'd be amazing. I'll get out of your head now, but that's absolutely incredible. <laughs> <laughs> was it about this project that made you go i want to reach out i want to get some named actors on this Is it because you were so passionate about it you wanted this to be the one that gets made a feature so you thought let's put all the energy into it or was it yeah was i just saw a lot of i saw a lot of potential in it i think also my when my producer signed on it was a big deal because my producer was the first one that signed on and then it was david and then lily um so really it was scott uh, who was my producer basically who's working with me now on my next short and he's one of my closest friends and a great mentor to me basically and um so when he signed on it was kind of like oh wait shit like this is like legit you know like i gotta like put everything into this so let's let's get some really named good actors so yeah but to make it like the story behind the films like for you as a writer like i was reading something you said in an article with movie maker and it, the things you were saying in there it came across to me like i writing this was sort of a form of therapy for yourself in a sense yeah that's a great way of putting it yeah i think that's a beautiful way of putting it i think it was just i had to write it it was something that was so inside me and just everything i was feeling at the moment where i just i wanted to put it down and i was like i'm not going to make this into a film but it because when you write things that are so personal and authentic and therapy to you it just resonates with people because it's so deeply inside you and all these people they just don't talk about it but they do feel these emotions too it's it looks like so yeah Fair play to you because it can't be easy to just put your emotions out there for people to to view on a screen at the end of the day. <laughs> like, fair play to you. I admire that a lot. Thank you. And again, again, I've said it for the last time. I'm going to say it again. This film's won so many awards at like these festivals and stuff like that. You must be so happy with the feedback you've got from it, considering this was like a passion project going into it. Yeah, it was uh, quite magnificent. It just shows like write what you know, you know, and just keep going. But were I, you I, a, bit, a bit concerned in the way of like you're putting your heart and soul there? You're basically putting yourself out there for the world to see. Yes, but I think it's in a way that's constructive. Uh, I think a lot of people relate to it and be inspired by it. So I don't think it's um, in a bad way, you know. No, okay, no, that's, I don't. I do sit and be like, oh my god, is this going to be? Okay? Is this going to be alright? Is this gonna be, you know, are people going to understand what I'm trying to portray here and put out there for you know and everything? It's obviously. Every time you've done it, you've smashed out the park. So, you know, and obviously at the ripe, ripe young age of 19, I can't, I imagine from here on out, like we're going to be hearing a lot more about you, I think, in the future. Um, we're going to be seeing a lot more of your stuff out and about everywhere. People to go, oh, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's a Wesley Wang. Hey, it's just, you know, it's a double W. The <laughs> <laughs> double W. Oh, man. It's the quadruple Sorry. E. Quadruple U, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, it was just oh, it's just the first thing that came into my head. Um, it's like you know you won the Summer White Lynch Memorial Award for this one at the Indie Shorts, which is that's obviously Oscar qualification as well, isn't it? 
Uh, that one isn't, but um, there's like three awards that at that festival, which are Oscar qualifying, but yeah. It's, it's it's absolutely mind-blowing and like like tom was saying you know so young into your career and i can, we can only imagine where you're gonna be all i'm gonna say is don't forget us two we gave you this this interview when you're like oh, steven spielberg in the future, yeah just don't forget us <laughs> he's just giving you your brand new I'll uh, marketing yeah. nickname Jamie and tom. yes <laughs> it's been recorded so we've got one we've got a record saying um <laughs> But is it still on the festival circuit right now? Yes, it's still on the festival circuit. So it's going to Flickr's next, LA Shorts, and we'll see where else. So does that mean that we, it, it'll eventually get a release yep. sometime Probably in the future? Yep, definitely within the next few months we'll get a release. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I'll make sure to share that everywhere. Thank you. <laughs> but obviously, we're saying how much you're pushing this project like to be the one for you. Was there a point in time where you went, yeah, this is going to work. This is going to be the one we're going to push. Or was, was there a moment that that happened? It was, it was every single moment was a small moment. I think after like receiving each feedback from the script of like, holy shit, Wesley, like this is going to blow people out of the water. The next person saying that, the next person saying that, Scott coming on board, then David coming on board, Lily coming on board. When I saw the first cut of the film, when I, you know, shot it and when I was, you know, just in on the whole set and just, yeah. So it was multiple, multiple steps. It was never like one moment where I was like, yep, that's it. It's going to get into indie shorts and win the Summer Lynch Award. <laughs> like, it's never like that, you know, it's just multiple steps. And again, I'll, I'll say it again, you can see your progression as a filmmaker, like, even though it's a short, it looks like a feature. You could see that on a big screen, like the effects and everything like that. It's beautiful to watch. It really is. Thank you so much. Yeah, like it's absolutely. I I really like crossed everything that you managed to achieve to get this made. It will, it will blow people away. It really, will. I can't wait to see it expanded. But I, I love the fact, like you alluded to it earlier, like you're promoting this, you go for this now, this is your thing you're pushing, but you're like, yeah, but I've got another one to make now, so let, let's crack on with this one. <laughs> yeah, after this, I have a call with my actors uh, to rehearse with them, like the shoots in two weeks, and so it's just very exciting stuff. It's been very tiring and, you know, promoting this and then, then shooting another one, but it's it's how it works, you know, you just got to keep making, making, making. And the fact you're studying at Harvard in between, you just been absolute bonkers like that like <laughs> you sleep at that interest <laughs> <laughs> i decided i've been getting less and less recently but it's okay i'll get there can we talk about the next project or is it push -push at the moment yeah i can share a little bit about it it's about uh influencers it's a horror movie it's about influencers on a hampton strip being terrorized by a stalker um so it's this yeah they like start receiving messages from this mysterious stalker like they're it's it's images of themselves in the house um so it's this kind of weird psycho thriller uh type and it stars um some famous people avani greg um vinnie hacker brandon husu uh and uh ella mendelson so it's it's a really exciting project yeah Damn, Wes. I mean, again, it's very, it's very 2023 as well. Obviously, influences, phones, technology, that sort of thing. So again, 
it's you're in your realm it's your calling sort of thing you know because obviously technology now is is scary how fast it's going like scary i mean how you feel about the whole ai thing we don't have to go to detail about it but the whole ai thing obviously we're taking over um with potentially writing that sort of thing how do you feel about that yeah, um, I talk to a lot of tech people in the industry, and um, it just seems like AI in within five years is definitely going to be assisting um, film filmmaking. And within 10 years, I think films will be completely made by AI. Um, so I think it's definitely scary, but also it could provide, I always look at technology in a positive, not always, but I always try to be optimistic that it will result in um creative films that are that are made by both human and AI that AI just advances the efficiency and like certain things and um I think if yeah and I think it'll just aid the whole process rather than detract that's a good way of looking at it because obviously um you lose that whole human feel and human emotion in stuff you don't I mean you don't want to be so robotic that's what worries me about the obviously watching movies and you go well where's there's no it feels like there's no heart and soul on this because it's all like they went here, they did this, they went and did this, then they talked, then they kissed, then they slept together. Do you know what I mean? It's just not, do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I do know what you mean. <laughs> it's very like there. black and white, just so, just so like to the point, you know, there's no like, oh, he glanced, but then turned away. She wasn't sure. Mysterious. Oh, you know what that, I mean? <laughs> now that AI could not write. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That, again, I, this is why I'm not a film writer, Wes, you see. I was like, you have nothing to worry about from this side of things. Don't worry about it. I just do a lot of talking. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I'm excited to see that film that you just talked about right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, that's a TS. That is, that's a TS right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, that broke me. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like a lot of people are worried, and that's why we're having these strikes at the moment that AI is going to take over. I think AI can be a good thing if it's used as an assistant, not as a replacement. So I'm hoping if it's going to be used, that is what they're going to use it for. Absolutely. I'm really hoping that too. It'd be funny if it was like spoken like AI as well. It's like, hey, you over there. (laughs) <laughs> come here now and you know I, I, I don't, that's just that's just, yeah like very again very robotic and ai based um, i can't imagine actors doing that at all in any way shape or form but it would be it would be funny ai voice acting green lizard man no Wesley, what I've loved about talking to you is like the fact that you are so young, you're using this talent and this gift you've got for filmmaking to give your generation a voice, which I think is so important because like you were saying, you know, people of your generation, they don't have a voice because not many people your age can do what you can do. And it's amazing that you've sort of taken that on as if to go, okay, I'll, I will use my platform to give a voice. And it is absolutely amazing to see. And that is why I really think that this film is going to absolutely be smashing. People are like going to give people that voice, and they're going to be drawn to it. Thank you so much. It means a lot. It's absolutely amazing. Mr. Stevens, do you have any more questions about I do. I do. I do. Did you ever think in your short tenure so far as a director that this is the sort of level of success you would have hit already? No, never. <laughs> I no. It's just, it's a dream. It's an honor to do what I do. Um, and I just hope to keep going and just keep doing my generation justice. 
Um, and uh, yeah, never in a million years would I have thought I'm here. No, it's amazing though, dude. Like, I, I just keep just keep smashing out the proverbial park because you know you're doing a great job, as evidently as obviously what we saw earlier with watching your, your stuff and whatnot. So, um, I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. And uh, I'll there'll be there'll be some Wesleys on on Flix and Prime and Hulu and God knows what else. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Tom. Like I said, this is only the beginning for you, The big things, I think. Feel it in your water, but before we before we let you get out of here, any plugs, social medias, websites you want people to go check out? Just um, at w.wang64 for my personal and at nothing.acceptEverything for the film account. So those are on Instagram if you want to follow me for more updates about either personal projects I'm working on or the film updates. Either one. And I would encourage everyone to go check out Wesley's YouTube channel because... There's some great content on there. You can find Eve on there. You can find Mute on there, as I found earlier as well. So go check them out. Go watch them. They are absolutely Thank you so much, Jamie. I appreciate the plug. No, it's, it's well-deserved, my friend. It really is. Wes, thank you so much, man. This has been absolutely amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and to chat to you today. And again, like I say, I wish you all the success for the future, my friend. Thank you. It means a lot. And I won't forget you guys. Yes. <sighs> Too kind. <laughs> right back at you. Right back w at you. Take care, buddy. <laughs> Take care. Enjoy, the, the enjoy the rest of your day. See you later, buddy. Take care, my friend. Bye bye. What an absolutely fantastic interview! Like the amount this man has achieved at such a young age is absolutely phenomenal. And when this movie, nothing except everything, is out, I implore you all to go and check it out. We were very fortunate to get a preview of it. And it's fantastic. It's absolutely great. Yeah, but you'll get a very good insight. Uh, you should have got a very good insight, should we say, from hearing uh, what we said in the interview there. So, uh, Wesley, thank you so much for taking the time, like I said, out of your insanely busy schedule to sit and chat to us. Uh, the movie's fantastic, and I really wish you all the best with what's to come in the future, because it sounds like it's going to be very, very exciting and you know, it's going to be up there. It'll be up there with the top soon, I reckon. Oh, yeah. And I really hope that you all enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. I mean, it's great. Isn't it? And it's you can look back. You know, this is the 99th edition now, Jay. You look back, I know. You know, like we've talked to so many wonderful and incredible people. It's bonkers, I, isn't it? It is nuts. It is absolutely nuts. Um, but the main topic I want to bring to you today, mate, is. Um, why did anyone think this was a good idea? Why do eggs come in the softest packaging imaginable? Why did they put the softest fucking food item in the softest packaging? I have no idea. I've often wondered this myself. You think there'd be a bit more packaging to support said eggs? I don't know why I'm doing that, but yeah, I don't get it. So, I mean, I don't know if you would think of putting them in breasts or well, maybe <laughs> that'd be like... very nice and soft. <laughs> You know, like, oh, I better put the eggs. I'll put the eggs in here, and and they'll be very, very safe. I can only carry two at a time, though. Is that okay with everyone? I'll put two eggs in between nine bosom. <laughs> Becky, come here. You can carry six. <laughs> Karis, you could also take about eight. You know, you're just like cup them between nine bosom and be on your merry little way. Oh, you can't drive. You must look after said eggs. <laughs> I love it. Like it becomes so warm, they start hatching. You're like, "What the fuck's going on here?" <laughs> I wanted a fucking omelet. I've got a chicken. What's going on? Oh, <laughs> holy shit! 
<laughs> I now have my own egg dispensing machine. Wonderful. That's a new name for chickens. Egg dispensing machines. I like that. <laughs> egg dispensers. Yeah, absolutely incredible. I think I was on like a year six trip. Uh, and my dad came with me. You know, my parents randomly came on school trips when in primary school. Like, fuck knows why they do that. Um, I can't even know why they came. It was a bit, it was odd. Um, and we were walking through a field. I can't remember what the trip was for. It's fucking years ago. Obviously, year six. It's like <laughs> like, the, the, like the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. There's like 95, 96. And um, we were walking through a field and our cows. And one of the kids just went, it's a chocolate spread dispenser. As a chocolate spread, and my dad found it so funny that he decided to then just like utilize that because obviously cow pat. I mean, anyway, <laughs> called cow shit pat. Who called it pat? Why not Frank or Bill? Um, and then, it makes no sense, does it? You don't call any other any other shit by a first name, do you? Point, actually, it's only cows. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, can you go and clean up muck from horses? Clean it, clear out the stand. Yeah, sure, clear stand out. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. Like, it's so weird, isn't it? <laughs> Cow shit is the only one that's got a name. Pat. So sorry for all the Pats out there. Sorry, Pat <laughs> oh, no, Sharp. Yeah. You know, shit, shit Sharp. Right. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, I'm going to apologise now for everyone listening to this. Um, I just got back from London and my voice is not at its best. Um, so forgive me for, for losing for losing it last night, but we'll go into detail imagine, about, yeah. about AW All In later. Um <laughs> But I, it's because I went. I was food shopping. Me and Carissa food shopping, and I went to get. She's like, "Oh, we need eggs." So I go grab them, and literally every box was like had like three or four smash. And I was like, "Well, what's the what's the fucking point?" Yeah. Also, with those, why don't you take the broken ones out? There's like a couple of broken boxes. Take the broken ones out, and then replace them with the ones that are still fixed and still have the box again, rather than oh, well, we'll just reduce it down and get rid of it for five p because there's only two good ones in there or whatever. I've often wondered that. I don't know if maybe it's something to do with the dates on them because they've got dates and you can mix in dates. Maybe they're the same. Um, I mean, they're just a guide, aren't they, realistically? If it smells like shit, it's off. Do you know what I mean? Don't eat it. Especially with eggs because, like, I think it's China. Black eggs are a delicacy, like, that have gone fucking bad, bad. But that's a delicacy, so... Oh. It's fine. It's fine. Just yeah. I know. Not for me. Thank I mean, you. that's a country that eats fucking scorpions. So you know, what? Not interested. I, oh, I really fancy a scorpion <laughs> in a random fucking whatever it is thing. I remember that. Um, of scorpions in. The, I remember. So weird. Anyway, <laughs> no, in China it is. That's what they eat. You can get a deep fried. You can get scorpions that are just on a stick. You just eat it. Not, not to, not to. Insult other people's cultures, but oh no, <laughs> not to me, really... thank you. Yeah, but I think so. If you're Chinese and you're from China, you'd love it. Probably they'd probably mean? come over him like battered Mars bar. What the fuck? That's not their accent, but you know, I'm not trying to do this. <laughs> that's my home country, but that's how we roll. <laughs> so, um, the other thing that's really really baffled me this week um, is people that die in soaps, right? Okay. So people die in a soap to pursue yes. obviously a different career they've got a, 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 a an acting deal in a movie or they've gone to holby city or they've gone to another soap or whatever the fuck only to return years later <laughs> for a storyline because obviously they've got nothing fresh going on oh we'll just bring we'll bring that character back that died in that horrible house fire 10 years ago <laughs> but they miraculously lived in the basement and survived do you know what i mean 
that they then use for the new times that story to then kill them off again to then go and pursue yes. a different career, but then to come back and they'll come back again, <laughs> even though they, they drowned in the river in a car <laughs> because they need another story. Oh, no, actually, I swam to safety, but you didn't see it because the camera's turned off. I swam to safety. I went to an island over there. In I the had middle amne- of Manchester. I had amnesia, and then all of a sudden I remembered I lived on Coronation Street and I came back. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't know, mate. I don't get it. If they if a character dies, they're dead. They're gone. See you later. Pretty much. But I love that the, the, the people that run these things are like, oh, you left our show to go pursue other things, and now you want to come crawling back. I would think not, mate. You left us in the lurch. Piss off. <laughs> I know, obviously, in TV, like 24, for example, that sort of shit happens where characters haven't returned, but you don't see them die. No. So it's like something's happened to them, and you go, oh, my God, then they've gone to a hospital, and they get the call, or whatever. Or they... they I, I, how do I explain this? That sounds like a now, like an absolute hyper... hyper no, I get it, because it, it's like a cop, like, thriller, amazing, like, sort of detective show. You expect it in that sort of show. Not down on fucking Emmerdale Farm. <laughs> it makes sense there. Just no. I just obviously someone obviously needs a paycheck. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And like, how, how has every storyline not been done now? Oh, they have. Like, I think they've just swapped and changed ideas. So, I think they've had some good ones. Show. <laughs> they've had some great ideas. For example, you know, they've had some really good, like. But a majority of it now, and then you just get people on this morning spoiling it all for you anyway. What's the fucking point of watching it? I've never um, done that. And the TV guides, they'll put it on the front of the page, like this person's going to die this yeah. week. All right, I'll yeah, watch it then. We, we did, we did, we definitely had this conversation upon a previous show. But yeah, it's like it's <laughs> yes, just, we had just them, yeah. <laughs> no, um, the final thing I want to bring up before we get into the weeks and stuff is on the coach to London on Saturday. Um, sorry, Sunday morning. It was like seven in the morning. Um, and I was feeling quite excited, quite sprightly, obviously going for AEW. And I accidentally, um, I when I got on, I s- sort of like, not tripped, but I lost my balance a little bit and touched a guy's leg. And I went, oh, I'm really sorry, but I just want to cop a feel. And he laughed. And I was like, boom, good morning. How are you? <laughs> um, and he found it funny. He went, was a bit early for that, mate. I was like, no, I know. But, you know, we had a joke about it. But then I turned around and I knocked some of my bag and I was like, fucking, I'm, I'm on it today. I'm like, really sorry, Pi. I, I, I seriously didn't mean that. And he looked at me as if I'd gone, hello, mate. You're like, just whip your cock out so I can have a go. Like, it was so. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I, he looked at me like, the fuck are you? I, all right, sorry. Like, oh. Good morning to you. I literally just apologized for that hitting my bag. But the way he looked at me was just like, you're all right, Pi. Just whip your dick out. I just fancy a bit of a jog. <laughs> That's a bit of job on you. That's like, all right. Yeah, I'm just gonna, just gonna pleasure you this morning. It's those people that give so, you a funny look for apologising, but if you didn't apologise, be like, well, that's your fucking rude, isn't it? Or that, or they'd be like, these twats that throw their bags around like, to the missus or the person yeah. sat next to. But loudly, I hate those people. Hate them. Yeah. Um, if you have an issue, just fucking tell me. If I've ever done something, just fucking just just tell me. Don't don't be like, oh my god, that prick, the, the ginger bearded guy. Yeah, what a twat. Hit me in his fucking bag. People just throw their shit around like they don't know, but, you know. So that's what would have happened. Especially as it's a bag that's on your back. You can't feel it. You don't feel what that thing you might not even know you'd hit someone with it. So just say something. But obviously the, the Megabus has like corridors that are like fucking oh, your Megabus did. Uh, yeah, that makes like sense. an inch, like yeah. an inch wide. And it's like I'm a, I'm a six foot three fat Scotsman. You think I'm going to fucking fit through your little tiny <laughs> tunnel? Like, good luck. Hopefully, you find a seat. 
I wish you all the best in your adventures. I'm now going to drive like a twat. Um, there was a weird bit where when the drive when she, when when they were driving uh, down towards London, like we hadn't even got out of Wales yet, and they kept like breaking and st- it was really weird. There was nothing. There was nothing right in front. Zero. No cars. No existence. No life. There was nothing there. And it was like, like so, like, but the suspension obviously was doing this, and we were quite close to the front, so it kept being like, Jesus fucking, do they know? They know to, they know they're driving a bus, right? Like, it's not fucking pimp my ride. Exit <laughs> is exit here somewhere. It's like, look what we did to your fucking mega bus. All right, I don't know, it isn't all like that, but you know what I mean. I just, I just basic American accent. Um, I almost went to that dude for some weird reason. <laughs> I was in my head. It's because I did that, I think. I think I did a little hand gesture. If you listen to us on Spotify, I did the the finger, little finger and something like, yeah, bro. Um, I think I'm on one tonight. I don't know what's going on. Are we, are we, are we live? Are we? Um, is this Earth? This is definitely Earth, yes. Someone's still feel on the from yesterday. I can feel, oh, dude. Don't even, like, I don't even. Oh, my God. Don't like, even. I had this conversation with Brady, and I was like, wouldn't it be so funny if there was some like a character or something made that spoke in a way that never finished their sentences. So but like he like totally did that, like, oh my god, real, like really. He he totally got there, if you know what I mean. He <laughs> I no, I don't. Oh, you know, you know, he he totally he oh he did. Oh he did. He got there. Got where? He got he got there. Like there. I, I I can't even. I can't even. Like <laughs> You can't even what? I just can't even. I <laughs> that'd be an incredible character. Can I odd then? Is odd okay? Is like are we what's going on here? <laughs> it sounds like a little Britain sort of character. Uh, yeah, right. yeah, you know what you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, I know what you're saying. I got you. <laughs> I hope so, because I got you too. Got, who have you got? You gone gat gat. Are we still? Are we still? Are we still here? Like, am I? Am I dead? Are we in some sort of alternate universe? What is going on? So, you'd never know what I'm saying. Just a quick one before we moved on. I put, I put this one on Facebook the other day, and I wanted to get your input on this. I was intrigued. What order do you get dressed? Yeah, I found this the weirdest thing you've ever asked anybody ever. Because what? Why? Why? Why do I want to tell you that? That's the. I don't know why you're even interested. Which makes me think you. It makes me think you get dressed really weirdly now. Your t-shirt first, but sort of person, aren't you? But what? How? What do you actually define as weird? I don't know. I just want to see if anyone's different. T-shirt with dick out. Is that what you're thinking? (laughs) Like, this is Winnie the Pooh in that shit. That's what he's doing. I don't know. I don't even. I can't remember what made me think of it now. But I was just intrigued if anyone got. Dressed really oddly. Well, I don't know. How was that? Oh, putting their socks on their head, like putting their socks on their feet. I don't know. Okay, trousers for a shirt. Every now and again, I get those moments where I go, "I want to know," and just ask people. There we go. Someone said you got some sort of weird wank bank. It is that's what it is. Just knowing what order people get dressed. The fact that a lot of people actually respond, and I was like, "What is wrong with you all?" Like, what some random like? If they'd known you for years, then I'd understand. Hi Claire, but like, if it's somebody that hasn't known you very long, or whatever, be like, so why do you want to know how I get dressed? This is the weirdest question I've ever heard in my life. Why 
it's weird. Sort of, it's, it's obviously just a kink for you, isn't it, Jamie? That's that is it totally is. weird. That's all that everything is. Everything in this life that I ask is all. I'll tell you what, I put one arm through the T-shirt, but then I put one sock on the left foot, only halfway up the foot, okay? But I put the trouser on the right leg, okay? But only up to the okay. knee. <laughs> and I put my hat on. <laughs> That's how you walk around all that. There you weird go. Yeah. thing. Yeah. I can see that, yeah. Makes sense. And then I sing, I sing, I think I sing We Are Siamese from Aristocats. While you're getting dressed. I like it. Yeah. Oh, All right. Fair enough. And then I shower. <laughs> you fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well just go on. Hello, men of the world. How do you wank? Tell me how you wank. Do you go from balls to tip or do you go from tip to balls? Do you go all the way down and all the way up or did you go from just the head? <laughs> like, <laughs> you might as well ask that question. Hey, ladies, how do you pleasure yourself? Do you go for two fingers and go all the way in and all the way out or do you just tickle at the top? <laughs> Hi, Wesley. Thanks for listening to the show. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. <laughs> Harvard, yeah, studying at Harvard. 11-time national champion and six-time All-American, and we're talking about how people pleasure themselves. Very, really fucking deep, according to you. Well, no, I'm asking, I'm asking the question. That's what we said. You might as well have asked that question. You might as well have gone, do you go all fucking, I do you go all in? I genuinely didn't think that this was going to, like, trigger you that much. I'm not going <laughs> to... I just think it's a very odd question, that's all. You have met Because before. I have absolutely no desire to know how anyone gets dressed ever. It's never been a thought that's gone through my mind. I've never gone, I wonder how Bill puts his socks on. Is it first, second? I'm always curious. You will be now. What wins the race? No, I, I actually don't <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> anyway, can we move anyway, on? Please? Let's move right? on. Let's move on. <laughs> how, how are you? I'm I'm well. I'm absolutely knackered. But other than that, yeah, I'm all right. I just yeah, can't why? I just can't wake up today. I don't know why. I, I literally, I got woken up by them to being noisy around the house about Shut one, up. half one. And then I just couldn't get back to sleep. So I woke up, did some stuff around the house. And then I went back, I went back to bed for an hour or two. I just couldn't. And I'm still struggling to wake up now. And I've got to go to work in an hour now. When do you want annual leave? From Wednesday. So I need to go wake up early tomorrow to go see the kids before work tomorrow and then when I get home we're pretty much going to leave so sleep will be non-existent for the next couple of days you're an absolute sucker for punishment you are absolute sucker for punishment you love it too much well if I was allowed my actual annual leave like I requested we wouldn't be having these problems but there we are okay let's not get myself in trouble then (laughs) that's the problems of working in that sort of industry though obviously because I I haven't worked since Friday now yeah it's it's been fucking great yeah so But no, absolute yeah. legends, all you uh, all you NHS workers. So that you do what you do and whatnot. So I I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't do the whole weekend work, and I just no thanks. Nah, I don't, I don't know. I've never had a job where I don't work weekends, so I don't really know to be honest. If the pay was where I could mindlessly stack a shelf, I'd totally do that. Oh yeah, sometimes. If yeah. I could go, if I could mindlessly just stack a shelf for the rest of my life on like thirty thirty five k, I'd be happy with that. But obviously that job will never exist ever unless you worked in like fucking Harrods or something. Or yeah, yeah you know, where nobody can ask you a question, you just oh. stack a shelf. You go back, you get your shit shit and just stack shelves and get paid fuck loads of money for it. If that's I was ever a prime minister, that's what I'd do. I would actually 
hey, the people that work at the bottom, you know, the people that slog day in, day out, miss birthdays, Christmases and all sort of shit, that miss everything because they have to work all the time. It's like, oh, you know, it's got a Friday night, can't go work on Saturday. Oh, let's go and you know, so like sadly, God forbid this ever happened. Sadly, so and so has passed away. The funeral estate, yeah, I can't make. I got work because you know that's the sort of thing. Um, to all you people, yeah, that miss unfortunate events and that sort of thing, just because of, like I just be like, I'm really sorry to hear about your crisis. There, I hope you find somebody else to do it or just get through the day. Yeah, well, just just be a nice boss and go. Okay, I appreciate that. No worries, we'll get it sorted. Don't worry. Don't worry about us. Go do what you got to do. There are, I, I, I won't, I'll, I'll leave it here, but like there are managers that I'd love to just do fuck all. Well, yeah. Like, hang on to that manager. I've got a title, so I don't have to do shit all anymore. Um, <laughs> just help just help a brother or sister out. You know what I mean? Just exactly. help a brother or sister out. Actually, get off your fat fucking ass. And uh, yeah, put the twirl down and go and, go and help out. Um, anyway, anyway, sorry. Off I, the high that, horse. That, I, was, I was literally <laughs> on a high, like flying, like, we're going to have so much fun. And I went straight down to, right, motherfuckers, this is to be right and like, close. <laughs> And I, I don't mean to make it serious. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But yeah, I'm sorry to hear of your knackeredness, sir. Oh, yeah. Um, but you're just sleeping through the holiday. You're in a caravan, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, look how excited you are about oh, a caravan no, holiday. Right. Haven't you already been this year as well? Or last year, was it? I think this is like our fifth time going there, so fuck knows. I don't even remember anymore. God knows. I ain't going to climb. Anyway, how are you? How are you? <laughs> Do you not like caravan holiday? No, I'm joking. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm um, like I said, I'm on a massive come on a massive come down from AEW all in last night at London at Wembley. Like, oh my god, I I cannot I cannot tell you how unbelievable last night was in any way. I just can't tell you. It was just fucking incredible. Um, there are literally no adjectives to describe just how great that was. Uh, so yeah, my voice is quite. Not hoarse, I'd say. I'm struggling. I can feel it when I was starting to project, like my throat's like tensing up loads. So I'm like, yeah. oh my God, obviously, I still haven't recovered from that. But there's nothing more beautiful than hearing 81,035 people sing Judas at the top of their lungs. It was unbelievable. I can imagine. <laughs> Just to be in that moment was great. Um, and obviously, the fireflies when Buddy Matthews came out with a lantern and stuff, that was lush. Um, and when we, and what was great timing was when we were waiting to get into Wembley. Bray Wyatt's theme music started as we walked through the turnstiles and stuff. So everyone was like clapping and stuff and singing. They got the whole one in his hands. It was really nice. That's really, really, really nice. Sweet. I like that. Um, really sweet. But yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm just on a massive, like, anticlimactic come down. Um, we have, me and Karis have had, like, had no fucking clue what to do with ourselves today. It's been really, <laughs> we got back, we got home at like quarter to three this afternoon um, because obviously Reading Festival ended yesterday, uh, this morning. So yeah, obviously, go from London through Reading <laughs> to Ooh. get uh, it, it. But luckily, it was fine. It, when we hit Swindon, it was shit. It was really shit. But when we got through, I looked on Google Maps, we got to Bristol, which was really bad. But when we got to Bristol, I looked on Google Maps and Reading was just red. <laughs> it was just red all around it. I was like, thank fucking Christ. I can imagine. Um, yeah. So but it was fine. It was just great, man. Um, but now I'm doing well. Uh, back to work tomorrow. Um which is going fine. So yeah, yeah, I'm right. I'm just. Happy days. It's always it's always weird when you have when you go to like a really big night or real <clears> big <throat> moments, and then the day after you're like, right. So what am I doing now? What's <laughs> going on? <laughs> that was me after Bloodstock. I was like, oh, back to work then, I guess. 
Yeah. Yeah, 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 that was great. That was that sort of was great. What'd be doing stuff anyway, other than, other than rehannering to death? I was gonna say mostly rehannering. I've been on nights the past few night, past two nights, and I got two more left, uh, which has been all right. I've been working on my own the past two nights, so I've just been I've been doing mostly podcast stuff. To be honest, I've really been doing a lot of work. So it's been great. Um, on that note, every single one of our Bloodstock episodes is now uploaded, ready for you all to enjoy as they are coming out. So enjoy those. Um. But yeah, mostly Rihanna. And the only thing I've really done is me and the wife had a date night. We went to have Nando's and went to the cinema. And then the following day, I went to see the kids and I went and took Lena and Samantha to go see the exact same film again. So I've seen the same film two days in a row at the cinema. What was that? Barbie. Ah. And I'm not going to lie to you. I know you say I love everything, but it's fucking great. It's not a kid's film, though. It is not a kid's film. I think Lena is up just about the right age for it. Just. Like, it's not a kid. Like, I know everyone's going, oh my God, I'm going to take my little girl to go see Barbie. Don't. I ain't taking Olivia to go see it. No way. <laughs> she will not get it. It's not appropriate. Okay. Uh, Ryan Gosling is Ken and the song he sings. Superb. Absolutely brilliant. I take it Samantha's Lena's mate, is it? That's their cousin. Their cousin. Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, when did Sam decide that he, you know? <laughs> I probably should have cleared that up. Yeah. Yes. Samantha is their cousin. Not my Samuel turn has decided to go trans. No. Good day. Still Samuel. Yeah, it was all right. It was nice. I was loving Nando's. And then you, just a cinema. Is that where your whingy little shitty status about broccoli came from? It's not whingy. It's just, why would you go to Nando's and order broccoli? I don't understand. Well, it's obviously doing well. But... I just, just no. Don't order broccoli. That's your, your person. Sometimes the things you write make make me question why I do the show with you. Um, <laughs> Rude. I'm, I'm, joking. I'm joking. I am joking. I love, I love doing the show with you. Don't worry. Um, sometimes I wonder how I survive. No, I'm joking. Um, so, <laughs> um, where was I going with this? How was seeing the kids other than watching Barbie twice in a row? Yeah, it was good. Like I said, that was most of my day. It was nice to have a day out with Lena. To be fair, we. Just did that, and then we got back, spent a little bit of time with Sam and Harrison, because he was actually there for the performance. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. It was weird sitting there with Harrison looking through cars on Auto Trader. I was like, okay, this is now a thing. Uh, but there we are. But yeah, man, like I said, I'm just buzzing uh, after last night. I've already gone back and watched Stadium Stampede again, because that match was so mental that mm. I didn't know where to look. I can imagine, yeah. So... You know, and the random Penta costume change was weird. <laughs> so oh. that's the only thing that really... Penta was hardly in the match. Okay. So, and I was a bit gutted about it because I love Penta or Sarah Miedo. And he he was in the majority of the beginning and then he gets carried out. But obviously where I sat, I couldn't see that. Ah. And they didn't show on the screen. He got carried out because he was hurt or whatever. Then he came back in red and black. And I was like... It came as Penta Obscured or whatever he is when he's red and black. And I was like, oh. oh. And then he went to do a, a move off the ladder. The ladder broke. Ah. Yeah. So on Santana as well, I was like, oh, God, he's not injured again already. Is no. <laughs> um, but seeing San Pedro is fucking unbelievable. What a match. What a match that was. Um, AW All In was everything and more that I thought it was going to be. Um, yes, last night. Um, Keris is fully converted. Like, she had the best time. It, it was just amazing. Like, we're on the floor. We had floor seats. And I'm not buying floor seats again. Not because they were shit. I just couldn't see a fucking thing. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. So I majority watched it off the screen. 
the entrances, I couldn't see them at all. I only saw them when they got onto the ring apron. I was like, oh, there they are. <laughs> and I didn't realise how long the runway, the, the entrance was because I couldn't see it. So I didn't know how long. So you'd hear the music. He'd be like, oh, my God, amazing, yay! And then he'd be like, well, where are they then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Um, and then they'd hop on the ring apron and go, ah, there they are. But it, it was just, there's not a bad match on the card. Um, it was just unbelievable on so many levels. So many levels. Uh, people are actually quite respectful around us, which is quite nice. Um, apart from the row in front of us, but that's a different story. Yeah. All the chairs on the, on the floor were cable tied together. Okay. Obviously just from where, but the row in front, and this is no disrespect, the row in front of us, luckily I was just off, me and Kerry just off away from four incredibly large gentlemen. Okay. And I mean, when I when I say large, I mean like struggle to stand up. Sort of. Okay. I'm not being. I'm trying to be disrespectful mm-hmm. at all. With people's lifestyle choices, whatever. But every time they start to sit down, the row moved back, and obviously because all the chairs are cable tied together, it was all coming in at once. So all our legs were like, <laughs> we we're like, oh, okay. So every time they stood, I kick it forward because <laughs> the guys were like, well, how how are we going to do it? I was like, all together, if we just all move, nudge it, like not like full on boot it, like just nudge it so it just goes back, so you can have some fucking leg room. Bit of respect, you know, so. But it was the best event I've ever been to in my life. Genuinely the best event I've ever seen in person. The best event I've ever been to wrestling-wise live. It was unbelievable. Seeing Sting live was just mind-blowing. Like, you know, the guy's a legend. Jericho, Jeff Jarrett. I saw Jeff Jarrett as well. I was like, JR. I was like, this is nuts because these are all people from my childhood and my teenage years. Like, this is mental to me. Yeah. So, you know, it was just great. It was Every match was fantastic. So, like I said, I've not heard a bad thing about any of the matches. Like they all so seemed good. great. And kudos to the acclaims rap at the beginning about Prince Andrew was fucking phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So the whole of when you couldn't hear the rest of the rap for the oh, oh after that first line. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that and I think I heard something about Meghan Markle as well. Well I couldn't quite Yeah, that's name. the one we all missed because we all went, oh because that was the next bit. <laughs> So, yeah. like, absolutely just Trey Bien, Trey Bien. Um, but the main event was just out of this world. So, the storytelling is incredible. Like, and this is the one thing I miss about WWE is they can't do that anymore because it's so polished and clean and oh, yeah. we can't see so you can't. AEW has just nailed it. And obviously, it's back next year. And I'm already looking at hotels. The oh, hotels wow. around Wembley are all sold out already for that weekend. Fucking hell, that was fast. Yeah, I know. I know it's nuts. We're like, oh, the premier in? No, there's a travel lodge. No, <laughs> fuck's sake! No, crazy man, absolutely crazy. But like, Tony Khan was obviously was just high up his tits because when he came out at the end after the show got off the air, and he just like screeched at the top of his lungs, his voice kept breaking. So he was so excited and so happy. Like it was great, man. It was fucking great. Well, I heard it's the highest paid ticketed wrestling event in the world ever. So fair fucks to the. Fair play. But big shout out to former guest Dane Campbell, who got seats in front of MJF's parents. Like, really? that's unbelievable. Yes, he did. That's unbelievable. MJF's mum and dad was sat right behind him. So, that's amazing. Scenes. <laughs> but, like, former guest Ethan Lawrence was there. Former guest John Mahon was there. Former guest Jeff Nicholson from the Superior Bar Party. I saw him and spoke to him. He was there. Like, it was just great to see people. It was just nice to say hello. And, like, Kerry's like, you just know everybody. It's like, well, I don't know everyone, but wrestling fans obviously we all congregate in one little yes. group 
So we all, everyone kind, not all, everyone knows you, but like majority of people might know everybody sort of thing. It's a nice little community. Um, so yeah, but yeah, the MJ final call match at the main event was was just off, was just nuts. Amazing. Fair play. Yeah, I'm going to try and watch it because it looked absolutely phenomenal. And I rarely watch wrestling these days, but no, I want to watch that event. It looked great. Well, I'll send you my details and you can watch it on fight because oh, I bought it. So. Thank you very much. So you, don't, you don't have to get charged $250 million, whatever it is, for streaming it illegally. Something like that. I like I'd do that. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, that- but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> gone. I was going to say, is that all you've done in the past week or going else? Uh, we've started a new show called Hijack on Apple TV with Idris Elba. Incredible. The first episode was a bit like, mm, not really sure. Uh, but then I was like, oh, okay. Second episode, and you're like, okay, right. Here we are. Here <laughs> we are, boys and girls. Um, so, yeah, it's really good. We've got two episodes left. Um, it's like, you can't stop watching it. That's how good it is. It's like, next, next. It's, yeah, we love shows like that. So, we've got Hijack. I'm on the last episode of Ted Lasso season one. Um, really enjoying that at the moment as well. Um, but other than that, mate, like I wish we could get ready for London more than anything else. We went to a place called uh, where the pancakes are. Right now, nice little oh, dude, and they were insane. They were in fucking insane. So good, delicious. So I highly recommend that. Uh, it's at, in London Bridge, um, just on the road from London Bridge. Um, so I highly recommend that place. Um, but yeah, other than that, just reiterating, really, uh, we've done two phenomenal interviews. Uh, yeah. Since we last recorded, have we done two since we last recorded? Or have we done one since we last recorded? We done one. We done one, one amazing one, interview since we last recorded. One yeah, I always, one. yeah, I always get lost. I always get lost in where one got cancelled. Yeah, wasn't that last one? No, it was two weeks ago. No, it was two weeks ago. Um, I don't yeah. know anymore. Hence my, yeah. I mean, <laughs> gotta keep the content flowing, boys and girls. Um, but yeah, man. Other than that, not a whole fat lot. That's what we like. We're all caught up. So we, uh, should we speak to him? Yeah, come on, Braden. What's going on at Stay Cozy Clothing, my brother? All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Barry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boys. Oh. Jamie. Yes, sir. It's only time for your favorite segment of the week. Oh, yeah. It's time for Calum Streetchins. Yes. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you. And Callum's treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. Callum is back, ladies and gentlemen, once again, to treach the world, treach the nation, treach the universe. So, let us be- lettuce, lettuce begin. Lettuce. Jamie, <laughs> how'd you put your clothes on? No, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, not allowed to ask questions I, like that. I don't. I don't actually give a fucking shit. I couldn't care less. Um, <laughs> what is Callum treating us? The is were eek. Shit, Wi-Fi is so much worse than no Wi-Fi. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, yes. 
It's, it's such a millennial, such a like a, a 2020 like problem in it. I was thinking but, that I was like, oh, he's so right, but what a problem to have. Like, <laughs> if I was younger, I'd probably be going mental about it. Yeah, probably. But, I, funny enough, I went to AW All In last night. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't, I turned my phone off and it was fucking great. Five and a half, six hours of nothing. It Because obviously, because of all the people, it didn't work. Like, Signal just didn't work because there was too many people there. So the network ah. was obviously overloaded and it was just lush. We just got on with our lives. It was wonderful. Um, but yeah, like, there's nothing worse than going, oh, I've got a comment or a notification I must read. Buffer. Buffer, buffer, and then and then the stories will load. You go, oh, cool, it's working. Buffer, <laughs> but and then I'll say, what's on your mind? Like buffer, like, oh my god, seriously, and then it won't work. <laughs> yeah, it'll load everything but what you want to look at. It's like your 4G is not strong enough, so nothing will load. You're like, ah, there's Wi-Fi here, right? I'll use the Wi-Fi. Wicked, wicked. That that's worse than the 4G. How's that happening? <laughs> or or you log onto the Wi-Fi and it goes, cool. Please fill in this form. Why? Give us to. all your details. Yeah, I was. We were in Las Iguanas, and it was like I filled the form out, and then the next question was, "Would you ever want to work for us?" What? Um, no. Ooh. What? Who puts that in their? Who puts <laughs> that in their form? Are they are Las Iguanas really struggling? Yeah. <laughs> are, are they really struggling for the staff? It's like shit. We need to recruit from somewhere. Put it in the form, and people start for Wi-Fi. They're like, "Oh, actually, I quite fancy this." But then I suppose because obviously younger people live on their phones don't they so it, i think it's actually in a way it's quite clever for us older people we're like no fuck off why do i want to work for 16 grand a year thanks nope yeah. i want to print off 20 copies of my cv and walk around shops and hand them in thank you like we did in the good old days oh my god yeah <laughs> I, I used to fucking hate that got any jobs <laughs> available at the minute you <laughs> said you said the queue as well wait I'd be like, oh, I don't want to ask this question. Oh, I better hide and see me look like I'm buying something. <laughs> no, okay, I'll have this bottle of Coke then. Cheers, mate. Excuse me, don't suppose you've got any... Ju- no, okay. And then, but then it got to the point where it was like, oh, yeah, if you just go online. Yeah. When I when I was at HMV for Christmas temping in the pandemic, because obviously we were furloughed, so I just picked up a Christmas job. And it was like, yeah, just go online. Like, why are you... I, I understand why people ask and they hand CVs and then it's that thing where people go, oh, here's my CV. And then people go, cool, lovely, thanks. <laughs> oh, did you know they did this and this? Yeah, lovely. <laughs> so everything's cool. digital now. But the thing is, right, if Wi-Fi dies and 4G has died, and it, we'd be fucked because everything's technological oh, yeah. now. Like the, the fucking... Um, Air, air control people, everything went down today apparently. So planes just in the sky, like we have no fucking clue what we're doing. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, oh, it's mad, isn't it? It's like it's, this world this world is so reliant on these things now, it's a little bit worried. Oh, it, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like it's almost like people want to be in control, Jamie. Weird, isn't it? Really? Oh, really? I can't remember. I I refuse to think, you know, <laughs> oh your bank accounts. Oh yeah, we don't use cash anymore. What do you mean? Well we just don't use cash anymore. Accounts frozen. You have no money now. Oh, exactly. Uh, Awesome. So, how am I supposed to? Well, you can't. Uh, Lovely. Uh, I suppose I'll be eating mayonnaise tonight then. Lovely. Uh, Thanks for that. Really appreciate it. Oh, I've got one bit of lettuce left. Fantastic. A rabbit's dinner. (laughs) 
Anyway, let's sorry, <laughs> let's let's get off our soapboxes again, you know. But back in my day, Jamie, you know, they didn't actually <laughs> use Wi-Fi. <laughs> we just went out and played in the parks. Um <laughs> And stared at lovely children. Now I'm joking. Um, <laughs> please edit. Please edit that out. Um, I should stop making jokes like that because obviously it's just a lot yeah. of work for you. Yeah. Uh, Jamie. Yes, sir. Moving on. What is Callum treating us this week? Saturday morning cartoons weren't for the kids. They were for the parents trying to sleep in. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was going in a direction. I thought that was going to be uh, Saturday morning cartoons weren't for the kids. They were for the adults. Stop. <laughs> is what Just I thought he was going to say, yeah. but obviously, yeah, because I remember me and my brother. I think Power Rangers was on at one point. It's like SMTV Live was fucking phenomenal. Oh yes, uh, and Ant and Deck doing like I don't think we actually truly enjoyed SMTV Live for what it was. I don't think we actually fully embraced just how incredible that show was as kids. No. I don't think we. I don't think we ever truly. No, Wonky Donkey is one of the best game shows ever. <sighs> And especially when they got wound up by the kids giving stupid answers and then they would still give stupid <laughs> answers and Deck losing his mind is one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. And every teenage boy loved Cat Daily. That's all they watched it for. Every teenage boy wants to watch Cat Daily. But oh, he had yeah. Live and Kicking on BBC as well. So it was like, and then you got Zoe Ball and Jamie Theakston and then you had that and you were like, oh my God, what do I watch? I used to do that. I used to skip through the channels. Like, oh, it's an advert here. Let's go to that one. Oh, oh, oh. sport for choice here, kids. It was great. Great programming. I went when they had uh, WWF Insurrection over here and Kane and Road Dog, I think, were on Live and Kicking. I was like, watching that. I and I moved back over to SMTV. Yes, I love it. Just good, good old days, man. But you're so right. I used to love it for, I think it was like Transformers. And then there was, um, what else was on Saturday morning now? I'm trying to remember. I, yeah, it's so many. I can't remember. There was low, but it used, used to be for 9 a.m. for uh, Live and Kicking or SMTV Live, used to be, used to be the ones. And you have like CD UK. I was about to say, and then after SMTV, you got CD UK for the latest chart toppers. Oh, oh, back in the day. I know. I don't make TV like they used to. No, <sighs> the fucking kids in their YouTubes now. Oh, oh my dear. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's fucked, isn't it? It's so fucked. So you'll have AI making cartoons for you. you could, I reckon TV will evolve into the thing if AI becomes a thing where you could just ask whatever it, you want. AI to do and it will just show you a program based on what you've asked it. That honestly would not surprise me. And it'd be so popular. Because I'm not gonna lie, the idea is popping into my head. I'm like, yeah, I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah, you're probably you're probably thinking of a Batman Power Rangers related dinosaur show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the new Batman Power Rangers crossover. <laughs> yeah. Batman Power Rangers in the prehistoric you, ages. You know me far too well. Fuck. That's so funny. <laughs> I love it, it's great. But um <laughs> you'd probably have some like I'm... 24 blacklist crossover show. Do you know Blacklist? I fell off the rails massively. I got to season six and never and never carry on. And it's on this final season. Now ten's the last one ever. Oh, and I'm just I know. I, I do love I love those sorts of what would you call them? Brilliant. Like yeah. I suppose. Um but like 24 blacklist, that's like peak level for me. And like nothing seemed to touch it. So yeah. a bit of comedy in there somewhere. I don't know. I think I just like a bit of everything, as long as it's not periodic or like reality based, I'm golden. Pretty much, yeah. So yeah. Well, finally, Jamie, before we start getting really into depth of like, oh my God, so AI could do this and like, like people would be there going, <laughs> oh, what's going on? Well, this show's like five hours long. What the fuck's happened? Um, 
Finally, what is Callum teaching us this week? We have an irrational hatred of people who do the speed limit. I mean, I can't, I don't drive. So, I, I mean, I'm trying to work I, out how I relate. I get it as a backseat driver, like seeing people be like that. Like, as a guy who I get lists to work from, and he's the angry, angriest driver I've ever known in my life. He will sit there and he'll be like, come on then, come on, move it. I'm like, Danny's doing the speed limit, mate. Oh, it's just a guideline. I'm like, fuck's sake. So there is people I, uh, like that. As Brits, like, I think people just think they know better. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then Pasco, right, whatever the fuck I like now. I know better. I won't. It the- it's like it, it, there was a motorcyclist that was like weaving through traffic. I think we were going through shopping and he was just weaving through. And I was like, eventually one day, he's going to get knocked up. He went to the other side of the road and everything, like to weave round. So and I was like, what are you doing? It might work this time round, but the next time round, you'll probably get twatted off your bike. Yep. I've never you know I mean? There's good No, I've never got it either. It's like, it, it is a British thing. He is absolutely spot on. Yeah. But it's because people will then think that, oh, well, why are they not going 18 or 70? Fuck it, I could do that. I'll be I'll be there. It's like they think they'll get there faster. But then how many times can you do that before it actually catches up to you and catches you out? Yep. And you're absolutely right. Like I, I do think that people leave that test centre and they go, right, I'm going to do it my way now. Fuck the highway code. And <laughs> But we'll probably do it when we get there. Yeah, I keep thinking that. I'm like, am I going to stick to the rules? I want to say I'm going to stick to the rules, but... If I look at everyone around me, I'm thinking maybe I'm not, but I'm gonna no, I will. I'm gonna stick to the rules. I think speed limits are really important, obviously. Yeah, um, definitely. I, d- I don't like things that go fast anyway, so I'll be not I'll right. be that person like must go the speed limit. It's a twenty, so I'm going twenty. <laughs> I know I'm the same because I've been doing on my driving lessons, I mean going up to thirty and I'm like, oh it's, it's getting really fast now. <laughs> it's only thirty. I'm like when I do my like motorway, I'm fucked. Yeah, that's yeah. shitting my pants doing what my way learning. I just know it. I I wanted to make a joke out, but you can't really make a joke out of that. The fact the fact that he's just absolutely bang on, and yes. I think, like I said, eventually, I think people that think they'd know better won't. Nope. And the rules it for a reason, people. Exactly. But I think we should get up our granddad chairs and up our soapboxes again. We're really young granddad chairs today. Absolutely mental, isn't it? It's because we've got our Harvard uh, fucking guests, so we were That's like, we should be, we should be well educated, and respectful. Um, I think I used to pull my funniness at the beginning of the show, um, <laughs> but there we are. But uh, thank you, Callum, for those absolutely wonderful treatises. As always, we are so blessed and so honoured to have you as part of the show. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll have you on next week's for the hundredth edition. Maybe oh, we'll, uh, maybe we'll just uh, invite Callum back on and have a have a three way. Conversation. That is. That is. So, I know what you're fucking here for. Anyway, Jamie. (laughs) Nine episodes in. You're feeling comfortable. I'd be like, finally, I've got him where I want him. It's uh, it's only time for Tom's journal. Oh, read to me, baby. And welcome to another edition of Tom's journal. So, another edition of Tom's Journal. I love, I love my segment. Of course, I will. It's mine. It's of course, awesome. I'll be. Of course, I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> but Jamie, I find it really hard to believe that bears made porridge, and the only thing wrong with it was the temperature. 
And there we are. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> Bears making fucking poetry for real. Are you okay? Yeah. They just eat the fucking oats. I've seen bears. They'll eat anything. They're not taking the time to mix it in, heat it up and all that stuff. That video of the bear that gets hit by the string uh, when it scratches back on the fence post and the string comes, the elastic comes around and smacks it straight in the dick and it walks away like, ah! <laughs> it's one of the best videos ever. <laughs> it's great. Also, if I'm going to assume Mama Bear, I'm, I don't like to make assumptions, but we're going to say Mama Bear is making all this porridge. How are all three bowls different temperatures and lumpiness and whatnot? Surely they would all be the same. Well, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? We're finding flaws. We're finding flaws here, boys and girls. Flaws in nursery rhymes. There we are. So, <laughs> I have come up with some new options to shorten names. Okay. So, obviously, obviously my full name is Thomas. Yes. But I hate being called that. So I'm just Tom. Yes. Yeah. But we've got some brand new names with some brand new options. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start with Jennifer. Okay. okay. We're not calling her Jen. We're going to call her Niffer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Elizabeth. We're not going for Liz. We're going for we're going for Zabe. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Okay. Zabe. Jonathan. Will now be known as Onath. <laughs> Why do these all sound like sci-fi names? They don't anymore. Christopher will now be known as Stop. <laughs> Just in the back, smack bang in the middle. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> Anna will now be known as Nah. Nah. A personal favourite, Brooklyn, will now be known as Oakley. <laughs> That's brilliant. Leonardo will be now known as Nard. <laughs> Brandon will now be known as Rando. And That's finally, great. Theodore will be na- now named Odor. Odor. I like that one. Yep. They're good. I like them. I'm really gutted. I don't think I know any one of those names. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but I imagine being a seagull is pretty fucking rad because it's basically endless fries. And permission to scream whenever you want. <laughs> oh, seagulls. So... oh, they look like they twat you and beat the shit out of you. Oh, yeah, they run away every time they get close. It's really they're like, oh, you fucking going in for this fucking bag. I'm gonna have a look at a bit. You know, what's this? What's this food in here? Like, and then you go towards them and go shit. Like. Oh. <laughs> And they walk around like, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> they do. It that Lee Evans sketch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me a fucking chip. <laughs> Oi, monkey boy. Give me some fucking vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jamie. Yes. Ask Reddit wants to know, what's your plan if a nuclear war starts? Ooh. Then that's a hard-hitting question. Never mind now do people get dressed. Hmm. I don't actually have well, one. Well, at Nugget says, I'm pretty sure my employer wants me to work that day, so I guess I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> Follow up that conversation earlier, that lines up beautifully. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but our French is totally like, I totally miss you. Let's hang out in February. Yeah, fuck, I know that one. Yeah, me and Claire know that one. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm free on this day and this day. Okay, I'm free on all those opposite days. Okay. Always the way. Always the way. <laughs> this is one of my favourite. Keris loves it and finds it hilarious when I laugh before I say what I'm going to find funny. Thing is, though, cleaning out your fridge is such a humiliating experience. You bought those plums and you didn't eat them in time. You absolute failure. You miserable piece of shit. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean by that, though. You're like, oh, I brought those. We're going to make that recipe this week. Should we make that tonight? Nah, can't be asked. What about tonight? Nah, can't be asked. Oh, no, the fruit's gone off. Yeah. yeah. It's always the way. Always the oh, way. We'll try, some, we'll try something really new. I'm bored of what we eat at the moment. We have it all the time. Yeah, right, let's get this to the system. Yeah, perfect. Sure. Fish and chips. Yeah, we have yeah, the usual. Yeah, yeah it's not the usual. <laughs> that, we'll make that thing tonight. Now it's gone off. Can't. Well, you look oh. at the recipe and you're like, well, that takes five minutes longer to cook than what I was going to have. So I think we'll go with the other one instead and have that. Yep. <laughs> so this is another Reddit um, post. Ask Reddit, what do you genuinely not understand? Then all the names have been scrubbed out, so I don't know who said it. But uh, how I get taller and more handsome every time my grandma sees me. And some respond with, it's because she shrinks and her eyes get worse. Oh, so mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, you've got massive. <laughs> no, no, you are just getting taller and more handsome. Better listen to the internet bully. So, I know your wife doesn't listen to this show, but Claire does. And I'm now about to freak her the fuck out. Oh, yes. So I was wondering... If Spider-Man's Spider-Sense is actually based on things spiders can do. So I googled, can spiders sense danger? And the National Wildlife Federation treated me like the dumbass I am. Here is a definition from the National Wildlife Federation on Spider-Sense. Spider-Man is able to sense danger lurking near. The warning signal comes as a pain in his head that varies with the intensity of the threat. Spiders can detect danger coming their way with an early warning system called eyes. And say, so have that fucking many, yeah? Jeez, ah, that is a bit creepy, isn't it? <laughs> fucking brilliant. <laughs> this one actually Google Spider said, so it was <laughs> like, did you see, you twat? <laughs> <laughs> I I can't oh. understand why that person asked the question, you know. If you've got spidey powers, then you might want to know. I'm with the little nerd on that one. Go with that. There we are. There we are. I've got to defend my own. <laughs> so, he has returned. Me, trying to learn someone's name. Brain. Nope, we're at capacity. Really? <laughs> with what? Brain. Angela, Pamela, Sandra, and Rita. Me, but those aren't real people. They're just Mamba number five lyrics. Brain, a little bit of Monica in my life. Me, please stop. Brain, the trumpets. <laughs> oh, it's been a while since I've had Lou on the show. Oh, you see Lou back with a vengeance. <laughs> I sang that to Olivia the other week. <laughs> I was putting it to bed. She went, Daddy, sing me a song. <laughs> so she went, one... Two, I sang it like a nursery. She's like, "What are you singing?" <laughs> Amazing. She must learn the ways of Lou Bega before she takes she over. Absolutely. Before he takes over, even. I need to get Lou Bega on this show. Anyway, so 
This is my, I mean, I haven't got kids. I'm just reading what it says here. My nine-year-old's first book review, I guess. So under the title of Charlotte's Web, depressing, don't read. I mean, from everything I've ever heard about Charlotte's Web, that seems like an accurate description. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't <laughs> I can't believe my mum said to the guy on the plane sat next to us. So where are you off to then? And he replied, hopefully the same place as you love. <laughs> Would you be I, I know your mum obviously got married and with a hand passing and everything else. But if your mum asked someone that question on the plane, they said, "Would you be absolutely like, oh my god, I can't believe someone says my mum," or would you find it fucking hilarious? I would piss myself laughing. Yeah, it'd be great. Point and laugh at my own mother. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, "You pulled one." <laughs> so I was actually quite intrigued to find, but my birthstone was Jamie, and I found it on my birthstone's a block of cheese. <laughs> ah, we have another stupid one this week. There it is. <laughs> Oh, oh I'm couple more. Surprised mine was. Ugh. Couple more. Did you know it takes a plastic bag twenty to hundred years to break down? Yet it takes me approximately one minor inconvenience. Ah, <laughs> <I>, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and finally, Jamie. I mean, this happens on the regular. Me. I'm so sorry for bothering you, surgeon. How do you keep waking up and saying that? And that was another edition of Tom's Journal. <laughs> oh, they get stupid and stupid in the best way. But they're great, aren't they? It's just oh, great. It's just like a nice little happy-go-feel <laughs> type thing. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people. Because, you know, I, I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults, and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Mr. Stevens. Audience participation time.
Oh, fucking participate, bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's participation challenge. <laughs> by the way, just quickly, what theme song was that, by the way? Because you're Thomas doing Tank this. Engine. No, it's not. I don't know shit. It's Postman Pat. Why is that a Thomas Tank Engine in my head? I don't know. <laughs> How weird. I was singing it in my head as well. I was going, Thomas the Tank. I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Anyway, as you were. anyway, I was just trying to remember how the fuck did that start with singing that? I don't know. It's great, isn't it? I know. It's yeah. fucking excellent. I don't know any more Star Wars ones, so I went straight to something else. That works. Postman Pat, not Thomas Sankin. <laughs> fucking idiot. Anyway, <laughs> this week I said Doc Brown, Doctor Who, Bill and Ted, and even Austin Powers. One thing they all have in common time travel. This week, I ask, if you had a time machine and could go to anywhere in time, would you go backwards or forwards? And why? Where would you go? What would you see? What say you, Mr. Stevens? It's a real question, isn't it? I, I genuinely don't know. I genuinely have absolutely no idea because I, I've really enjoyed my life so far. You know what I mean? Like I, I wouldn't want to change it. It's like, oh, I don't want to go back and be like, well, I'd not make that decision or that decision because obviously you make decisions... That's just how life works, I suppose. Um, I haven't really got a funny answer, uh, so I don't know. I'd, you know, I, I don't know. I, I genuinely have no idea. That's fair. It's a, it's a weird one. It's like, like you're saying, life happens for a reason. Things happen for a reason. Part of me is like, I go back in time, tell sixteen year old myself to cut your fucking hair and lose some weight. But at the same time, if I wasn't that person and who I was, then maybe my life wouldn't be where it is now, and I wouldn't have my kids and my wife and all that sort of stuff. So like, maybe it happens for a reason. We might not have met. Precisely, there we might, might not be a show. Met. Yeah. So these things happen for us. I'm not going to do that. And it's same. Yeah, it's a weird one. So I'm probably just going to say go back and see the dinosaurs because I want to see what they were like. If but you want to die, be my as guess. long as I can leave again, I just want to go. Oh, look, T Rex, and then fuck off again because I don't want to get eaten. Because I wouldn't survive very long out there. Let's be honest. <laughs> let's get some audience answers. Rick Joyce gives us a great list. He says I'd go to Woodstock. Fair play. Go to an ACDC gig when Bon Scott was singing. Like it. Go have a drink at the table next to Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, and the rest of their writers group. Again, brilliant. And then go figure out who discovered bread. I mean, that person needs a good old high five. It's it's pretty much um, a Kiwi answer, to be honest with you. Anyone from New Zealand just wants to do these <laughs> absolutely amazing things and then find out where bread came from. <laughs> I, just, I just love the greatest of it and discover who made bread. I was like, fair play. Dean Salmon, go back to 19 years old man, and tell myself to join the Royal Engineers, train as a carpenter and not get involved with women. Well, one specific one. Yeah, no, I, I I know exactly what he's on about, so I feel him. I hear you, Dean, I hear you. Uh, Robbie Williams, are we allowed to go back and visit our past self? I would go back and tell him that I should have should have about 200, 250k ready for retirement and other wisely things. If not, I'd love to go fast forward 100 years and just have a mooch around. Yeah, fair. Yeah. I feel that, yeah. Lydia Manson, I'd go back and see just how the pyramids were built. So we would have these stupid fucking American um, documentaries on the aliens apparently did it. 
Yeah, no, they didn't. Just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it was fucking aliens, for Christ's sake, America. Debbie Myers, no. my dear. Oh, no offence, Lydia, just quickly. No. Just no, back up point, American, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie Myers, my mother, she says, there's so many, lots of sentimental ones I can think of. But one I'd say is to go backwards to the 70s and go see Leonard Skinner so I can see Alan Collins playing the guitar solo in Freebird live. The goosebumps would be unreal. Not that's a nice one. Get, but I like to that. go back to big shows, like that's a really yeah. clever. Oh, just, I'd love to just go back and see Kiss in like a fucking club in New York back in the early seventies. Oh, I'd be so happy. Like, you're gonna but you've seen Kiss like fifteen thousand times. So, Great. but yeah, but just to see him before the egos and before everything, and they were just a young band just wanting to make it in the world. Oh, Great to see. Great. Claire Jones, I'm going to have to give a caveat on this one because I apologise to Claire because she messaged me after she wrote this. She went, I'm sat here in floods of tears thanks to you, you dickhead, for putting this because she got a bit emotional writing this answer. She says, I go back to when I was six to seven years old and had my last holiday with my granddad. He died when I was seven and he was my best friend. Not really sad reading that one because one of mine as well would just be to spend a bit more time with my nan because I fucking love my nan. She's the best. And then Harrison, my son Harrison, comes in and shows he gets his intelligence from his dad. He says, I'd go back and I'd invest in Microsoft. Clever thinking. Be a billionaire, my boy. Lizzie Edwards with another another sentimental one. I'd go back to when I was eight. My granddad used to take me to the park and get me a pick and mix for a whole 20p. I remember those days. I'd go back and tell him, go back to when I would sit in his living room watching Basil Brush and miss him more than anything. He was my idol and the person I looked up to. I miss him so much each and every day. Bless him. I like that. I like these ones. The wife, Becky Westwood, gets involved saying, first stop would be my mum's granddad. I think he died just before I was born and she always talks about how great he was. And then I'd go back every hundred years or so just seeing random things. Plus, I'd really want to see the dinosaurs. I mean, who wouldn't see dinosaurs? I mean, I definitely don't. So Sorry, you don't want to see dinosaurs. They're cool. Love dinosaurs. Alex Graham, one that really made me laugh. I think we should go back to Dallas in the, in November 1963, stand on the grassy knoll and shout, Duck! JFK. Oh. You should have been a bit more specific with that one because I had absolutely no idea. Oh, sorry, I thought you might get it. Do you know what I might do? What I might have done, actually, is got a Met Trump Sr. Um, <laughs> and blown his cock off. Different with his world, though. I'm, what I'd probably do is go back and find all the evil and just kill their fathers. Before the evil begins. Like, that's what I'd probably... That's probably what I'd do. <laughs> but I know that's a really... Oh, you should never do that because of it changed history, Blake. You know, but imagine if there wasn't greed and evil in this world. Oh, my God. If everyone was just... A, I think we spoke in our recent interview. If everyone was just fucking yes. nice to each other, it'd be great, wouldn't it? It would. And I guess it might change history, but you're changing by getting rid of people that killed a lot and lot of people. I don't think it's that really a bad thing to change in history, but there we are. Hello, Mr. Hitler Senior. Mally Malpass. Backwards. Fucking dinosaurs. See, it's not just me. Even Mally wants to get involved and see the dinosaurs. And last one, I didn't get many this week because me being me, I didn't post it till very last minute. Um, Ryan Williams says, now this is tough. I mean, is this a one-way trip machine and I'm stuck in the past or future and I'm just living on the end of my days in a chosen time? 
if it is a one-way trip and I'm not allowed to return to my original time of departure, then I'd probably go to the past for two reasons. One, after I graduated high school, I didn't have much contact with my grandma as I'd like, especially in the last couple of years of her life. So I'd go back and spend time with her. There's a lot of sentimental for grandparents in this. I like it. I'd also take my knowledge of the stocks that I know, and I'd either buy those stocks in my name or suggest them to my grandma. Oh, I forgot. I'd also take seeds of certain marijuana strains and grow them so I could sell them to the clubs. Got to stay liquid somehow. That's where I was. That's where I was. If I'm able to return to my original time of departure, then I'd probably go to the future so I could do two things. One, get information on a few sticks, a few stocks and big sports events so I could come back and invest or bet on that information. Someone's been watching Back to the Future. And two, try and find out how will the world end so I can go to the original time of departure and hopefully figure out how to prevent the end of the world. Ooh, that's, that's quite scary going forward to see the end of the world. Ooh. If what if it's when we're all fucking gone? Well, Matt, will it? No, but his ancestors, Ryan's got kids, you know, going forward with his ancestors. Don't want to see them struggle. No, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. I like oh, thank you to everybody that participates in Jamie's challenge. Um, the thing I will say for the participation challenges, if you listen to this show as well as when you participate, is don't think too much about it. You know, oh, am I allowed to come back? Am I allowed to do that? It doesn't matter. The, the question's there. So, I would say, yeah, because it's very wide open, is all I'd say. Don't Just don't think too much about it. Um, if that's all I'll say on that one. But, uh, yeah, thank you to everyone that participated this week. We really appreciate it as much as we did even with Jamie posting it yesterday. But still, we got there, <laughs> and that's all that matters. We've got a fair few answers considering, so I appreciate that. Um, but if you enjoy the participation challenge, the journal, Callum's Reaching, the shit we talk, and the interview, then please go back and check out the other 98 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. We are quite astounded that we're hitting 100 episodes next week, or editions as we, as we call them. Um, it's quite massive because we've never reached this landmark. So it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's really great. And we thank every single one of you for listening, for subscribing, for checking it out. Even if you listen for a minute or 10 or an hour or whatever, we appreciate every single one of you massively. So thank you so much for investing in us, for giving us your time. Uh, and listen to the show it truly means everything you know and we try and keep it as entertaining as possible we try and give you the best interviews possible we try and you know ask those questions that you know nobody would normally asks and that sort of thing and just make things interesting so if you want us if, with us for the ride for the last week month year since the beginning uh we appreciate and love every single one of you just as much it's graciously appreciated so thank you very much but you can find us on spotify apple google wherever you get your podcasts from uh, we're also on YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. You can watch every interview on there. All of our shows are on there. All of our Wayback Wednesdays are on there. All of our Bloodstock interviews are on there from 2022 and 2023. All of our 2000 Trees interviews are on there from this year. Uh, our Dublin Crust vlog and our Sophie Lancaster uh, Legacy vlog from last year as well. Um, please, please hit that subscribe button. It would mean everything to us to subscribe. We've had quite a few recently and it's been it's been wonderful. So thank you to everybody that's subscribed to us recently. Um, let's keep making those milestones and keep smashing out the park. Please hit that bell to get notified when new videos are released. We'd graciously appreciate that as well. And just comment to your heart's content. We're also on Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. So make sure you'd like, share everything else, all the bits and pieces. Keep following us for the latest news. But Jamie, thinking about it, actually, whilst you're on Facebook, where could you find us? Making sure you're keeping up to date with everything that this week's wonderful guest Wesley Wang is doing and making sure you're looking out for his new film, Nothing Except Everything. Absolutely. Or on the X. 
slash Twitter at TCO Pod. Um, and whilst you're checking out everything about Wesley, all of his past film movies and what's coming up, and checking us out on the X slash Twitter, where else could you find us? Getting dressed ready for the day, but I'm not going to tell you in what order because apparently it's creeping. And I don't want to know. Yeah, absolutely. Or on the Instagram at TCO Pod or on TikTok at TCO Pod. Go and find Jamie's Chesney Hawks video. We are on LinkedIn at the Chronicles of Podcast, and we also have a beautifully brand spankingly sexy little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com where you can find out all about us. All of our shows are on there. We have a shop on there, so you get yourself TCO Pod merch, and all of our affiliations and sponsors are on there. Uh, so let's make sure you're following us on all the social medias at TCO Pod or the Chronicles of Podcast, and you're subscribed on our YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. And now over to my co-host for the latest. For the latest, the latest thing we're going to do is say thank you to our wonderful friends. Every single piece of music you hear on this show is brought to you by one man. That man's name is Mr. Singer-songwriter Matt Roberts. We can't thank Matt enough for all of the wonderful music he gives to us. Our theme show on here, the music you hear at the start of all these Bloodstock interviews, everything is by the wonderful Matt Roberts. Go check him out at Matt Roberts Music. Go check out his latest single, Rat Race. He's just dropped a video on his YouTube all about how he made Rat Race, which is a fascinating watch, so go and watch that now. Again, massive thank you to Mr. Roberts. And of course, we have to say a massive thank you to Mr. Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy Clothing. Head on over to www.staycozyclothing.com or download the smartphone app. Go take a look at everything on there. This wonderful hoodie that I'm wearing is on there. That beautiful hat that Mr. Stevens is wearing is on there. Go add those to your basket or whatever you like the look of. And when you've decided what you want, add that discount code, The Chronicles, and get yourself 10% off your order and of course make sure you're following Braden and all of his musical endeavors at say we can fly go ch- check out all the latest news with the series farlight that he's filming cannot wait to see that the man is very busy so make sure you're following all his wonderful adventures and last but not least a massive thank you to the sophie lancaster foundation they are stamping out prejudice hatred and intolerance everywhere and we mean everywhere this is a ongoing issue it's not just in the uk yes It's what happened to Sophie 16 years ago was here in the UK. But this is happening worldwide to people who are just expressing themselves, being who they want to be, having their hair how they like it, dressing how they like it, whatever it may be. It doesn't mean they're a bad person and it doesn't mean they deserve to have abuse hurled at them, whether that be physical or words or whatever it may be. It is unjustified and unnecessary, especially in 2023. If there's one thing we can learn about Sophie's story is that Sophie was a beautiful young girl and did not deserve what happened to her. So please head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Share out that story to the world if people aren't aware of it. Show some support to the foundation. Buy some merchandise like that T-shirt Mr. Stevens is wearing, like the wristband that Mr. Stevens is wearing. Buy some of those. All that money gets invested into the foundation. They can go out to schools and help educate the youth of today and make sure that this comes to an end. And last but not least, a massive thank you my wonderful co-host right there. Thank you, Jeremy. Ditto. Right back at you. Right back at you indeed. And I obviously agree with everything you just said. Um, so yeah, another wonderful addition in the, you know, in the bank, as it were. And uh, yeah, we're going to be a hundred editions deep next week. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's great. And hopefully you'll keep, you know, you'll keep joining us at this party over here. Keep on this journey with us. It's great. 
you know, to go to triple figures next week is is absolutely massive. So we'll try and find something nice and special for you all, which would be grossly all of our listeners and fans. We appreciate all of you so very, very much. Jamie, as for this week, we're going to see all of you next week for the 100th edition and the Chronicles of Of Virtue. See you next week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.